Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. I don't understand. Why the legend about the city of gold? The Yago word for gold translates as treasure, but their treasure wasn't gold. It was podcasting. <laughs> podcasting was their treasure. God. No wonder I forgot that line. How? <laughs> Welcome to Blank Check. I said it for some reason. Yeah, with Griffin and David. With hey, Griffin and David. Everybody, my name's Griffin Newman. I am Mutt Sims. David Mutt Sims. David Sims the name the I third, picked for myself. But he picked the name Mutt. Uh, this is a podcast about filmographies, mm. directors who have massive success early on in their careers and then are issued a series of blank checks to make whatever wild passion projects or follies they want. And sometimes Ooh, you're those Wait, That's checks. the theme? I thought like, you guys just picked people you liked. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> it's a column A, column B. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, those checks are clear. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they bounce, baby. Good. Uh, we are hashtag the two friends. Mm-hmm. And the director that we are currently investigating is Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Asterix, the DreamWorks years. Yeah, I don't know if you knew that. I, I, I don't know anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We're Who only doing DreamWorks. The idea his DreamWorks was the uh, the blank check he got. The ultimate yeah, blank the, check. The biggest blank check. He wrote he it himself. His own damn studio. His own name's yeah. on the check. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he got, he, got a, he got a K and a G in there with him. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget the K and the G, though. Don't forget the K and the G. SKG, though. Um, this main series is called Pod Me If You Can. And uh, mm. we've, got, we've gotten to probably what is the most... Contentious? Yeah, right? I would say so. I'd say the hot button movie. Project. Yes. Um, it is Indiana Jones mm. and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Now... Kingdom of the Crystal Podcast. Wait, give, give, it a, give, give those words a second to resonate with people and bounce around their ear holes. Indiana don't, Jones. Don't just rush over them like and that. And the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Okay, let's try alternating. I take one word, you take the next word. Okay. Indiana. Jones. And. The. Kingdom. Of. The. Crystal. Skull. <laughs> and what a skull it is. Uh, we have a very special guest with us today. Second time on the podcast. You might remember him from our episode on The Village. That's right. Great episode. Great episode. About a great Some would say movie. your finest episode. Mm, it was a nice, it was a late night blank My check. My mom said that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was a blank check after dark. Yeah, blank check um, after dark. This is a blank check in the late afternoon. Correct. So I don't know what that is. Uh, also known from the Fighting the Worm podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, His work at IndieWire? Yes. And uh, what else? What else do we know you from, buddy? Uh, I I am his great in Twitter feeds, mm-hmm. great Twitter feed. and everywhere. Yeah, uh, but I just I always wanted to be known as the guy from that uh, blank check episode about the village. So yep. we can just leave it at that. Well, mission accomplished. David Ehrlich is here with us in the studio today. Happy to be here uh, to talk about this film. Now I, I hi David. Hello. Uh, usually you know we're kind of sources of contact. Sure. I didn't do that much research today, but from what I gathered, this was the first in a planned franchise about Indiana Jones no, that I think doing, never got off the ground. We're not doing that bit. <laughs> what bit? <laughs> oh, God, I assume Georgie Lucas, Steven Spielberg, and Harrison Ford got together with the intention of making a series of, if you call something Indiana Jones and, you mm. assume they're going to be others, 
Yeah, and what you really want to do with the first one is give it a real trips-off-the-tongue name like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But yeah, there, and way too many characters. There was only one Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and then we all <laughs> as a society agreed that we need we needed no additional beasts. There was only Divergent <laughs> series Allegiant, and they decided not to do more of the uh, Allegiance. <laughs> Uh, isn't it funny that they're just not going to do the last one? Yeah, they just <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. it. They were like, I don't know, it'll be a TV show, and then it was like, will it? And they were like, yeah, it'll be a web series. <laughs> it'll be a it'll be a podcast. Octavia Spencer's like, look, I'll do it. I, yeah. You know, I'm on board. I heard the next diversion is going to be the first movie released straight to granola bar. <laughs> it's going to be on your traffic light on the yellow. <laughs> you get to see two seconds of Divergent Part Two Allegiant. Is that what it is? Is it Divergent Allegiant Part 2? I think they were going to call it, like, Resurgent or something. They were, I don't know, you know. Okay, so Divergent Detergent is officially off the books. But this movie, uh, yeah, look, no bits. I'm going to be straight with you. No mm, bits. It's the fourth. It's the fourth Indiana Jones film. Indy, yes. But not the last. I guess not. Because we're living in a weird time where there is an Indiana Jones 5 on the book, set to go. Disney. How, how old is Harrison Ford now? He's like 70? I think 74. He's 74? Want to take a quick glimpse? I think he's 74. But he has to play old versions of all of his most iconic characters before he retires. Yep. He, he is 74. Oh, so is he going to be an old, like, uh, the detective from Witness next? That'd be good. Yeah, well, no, he was in, because, you know, of course, of course Star, Star Wars. Wars but then Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner, that was the other one mm-hmm. I was thinking of, yeah. And his Witness, Mosquito Coast. Old Mosquito Coast. Old Mosquito yeah. Coast. Let's get that going. <laughs> <That'd be> great. <laughs> What else could old, we do? Yeah. Old, uh, what, what was that movie? Seven about Days, Hearts? Eight Nights. <laughs> old, six Days, Seven Nights. You, you gave it. Oh, oh, I see what you're doing. I just got it. I got it. Thank you. So old, random heart, random hearts. Oh yeah, random, random hearts. hearts. No, but Sidney Pollock, R.I.P. You know, R. I. you got to get, you got to get living directors. That's the thing about Harrison yeah. Ford. His directors are dying. Old Hollywood yes. homicide. <laughs> I think that guy's silver. Who made silver like homicide. That's a uh, uh, what's his name? Ron Shelton, who did uh, Bull Durham. That's right. Bollywood homicide. Bollywood. With Harrison Ford. That'd yes. be that'd, that'd be, be good. Yes, multicultural. Exactly. Yes. To get like Prinkaya Chopra in there. Or yes, like the great that. Prinkaya Chopra, and also <laughs> I thought it was Priyanka. No? Priyanka, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't, I never, if I mangled never her name, said I never you don't you don't watch Quantico, bro? I do. You don't watch, Quantico? I watch the pilot of Quantico. I I, I pilot Quantico. Uh, That's a great episode. Um, so we're going to talk about- Remember when he made Extraordinary Measures? Yeah. Extraordinary Measures. And now Brendan Fraser plays like a prison guard who's fat on The Affair season three. Brendan Fraser's on The Affair season, season three? Season three in like a recurring role and he's fat. He's like fatter than me. He's like not in good shape. Did you read that recent like uh, oral history of Crash? Where they I talked did. about that We're the like only getting reason Brendan that Fraser film, was what got them the green light. That's the only reason they got and a green Brendan light. Brendan Fraser's in one scene, and he's just like, I'm the DA, and I say, racism is great. And he like points at the camera, and he's like, <laughs> where's the, you got a roast beef sandwich I can eat on my way out of here? There's a, <laughs> there's a whiteboard with the word racism on it, and he circles it six <laughs> times. The turns to the camera gives a thumb up. You can't tell me if there was a web series called Fat Brendan Fraser starring <laughs> Brendan Fraser as his fat self. You That'd wouldn't watch every week. I love Brendan Fraser. I would watch him on Crackle as, as hard as I could. Do you want to know what the weirdest thing is about Brendan on, Fraser? On Snap, on Crackle, on Pop, I don't care. <laughs> God, I love Crackle Originals. <laughs> Quickly, guys. I know you this... do love a Crackle Original series. <laughs> I know this is a sidebar. We're all one day going to be on a Crackle Original <laughs> series, so we shouldn't diss him too much. I know this is a sidebar, and I know we're already avoiding talking about the movie at hand, 
But can we just quickly go around the table and everyone name their top five Crackle Originals? <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I need to do top ten. I can't do ten. I can't, I can't limit it to five. I mean, Art of the Steel is one, right? I really couldn't name a Crackle original series. Number two has to be Startup. I mean, if we count movies. The thing movies... about Crackle is, like, once their PR person said, like, I know the pilot and second episodes of this are bad, but keep watching. And I was like, you're the PR person for crying out loud. That's not how this works. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, the thing is about him playing old versions uh-huh. of himself yeah. is like in in Star Wars and in Blade Runner, supposedly, mm-hmm. according to this plot synopsis that leaked, it's the same goddamn plot, which is like, you know, young people. Got to find him. Yeah. Like, you know, uncover, you know, a secret scroll of information that leads them to old Harrison Ford, who's. Gonna like be it, sarcastic. It mimics the process of probably getting him to say yes to be in your movie. You right. gotta like track out to the mountains of wherever he lives with Calista Flocker. <laughs> yeah, with a scroll. With a scroll of a screenplay. Be like, wait, I got three words for you. Old morning glory. And he's like, I'm Who in. told you where I am? <laughs> I haven't been morning glory in a long time. <laughs> Afternoon glory? <laughs> um, but uh, but the, I think the difference is with Indiana Jones, Harrison kind of Ford inverted. actually wants to do it. Yes. He he loves Indiana Jones. Sign me up, which is weird. Okay, there are a couple factors there. Go ahead. Uh, One is Indiana Jones is his favorite character. Well, makes sense. He fucking loves Indiana Jones. Han Solo's like, when do we get to kill this motherfucker? I want him dead. I want it on screen. (laughs) Han Solo has always sort of been an albatross around his neck. You know? I guess so. He has a difficult love hate relationship with it. Sure. Whereas Indiana Jones, he fucking loves. And do you think I, he just thinks like space and lasers are stupid? Like, is it that simple? Do you think? I think he thinks he's a practical man. Yes, I think he's a practical man. Yeah. He likes working with his hands. He likes flying a plane and crashing into a field, <laughs> and he likes piercing like one of his own his ears. Body. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, I I was uh, I rewatched uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark as mm-hmm. well last night. Wow. Uh, I wanted to do a counterpoint, so I did these mm. two as a, as a double feature. It's a little unfair to Crystal Skull, in my opinion, but okay. I thought you were just. Trying to see how much Spielberg had grown as a filmmaker over Makes sense. the years in between. A lot. Well, here's what's embarrassing. You watch Rares of the Lost Ark, barely any CGI. He didn't know how to use it yet. <laughs> yeah, he, he hadn't mastered the CGI the yet. The animals are real, and it's like, this guy's a fucking amateur. <laughs> and plus, a, a, a disappointing amount of Ray Winstone in that one. Uh, we, n- hardly any. <laughs> I know. I mean, I if I spotted him, it might have been a mirage. I think he played one of the dates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the bad dates. He's John Reese Davis's that. hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> so he likes Indiana Jones. Well, and I was so I was watching Indiana Jones last night, yeah. right? Rares of the Lost Ark, and and just trying to go like, okay, what is it that crystallized, pun unintended, mm. in this movie that made this character really sticky in the culture? You know, and it's like there are very few examples of action heroes who are that cerebral. Like True. Indiana Jones is this weird example of someone who's like. A two-fisted, you know, kind of like adventure hero who's also like a big dur- dork. Yeah, is driven by like wanting to support a museum. <laughs> True, and is able to like lecture at the drop of a hat. Right, and I think because Harrison Ford is often uh, written off as just being like a movie star first and an actor second. You know, yeah, definitely. He's, he's unfairly, concerned. right? I would say maligned. You know, certainly. Yeah. Yes. And, and treated like, by his peers as such. Yeah. Yes. And also he's got this reputation of like, oh, he hates to impress. He's a crank. He's a grump. He's a stoner. You know, like these contradictory things. But both of them are either like, either he's just like a misanthrope and he hates everything mm. or he's a stoner. And he's not paying attention to anything. Mm. And I think 
he likes that Indiana Jones allows him to be an intellectual mm. while also harnessing everything that he's innately good at. The other factor is Harrison Ford owns a piece of Indiana Jones. Right, so he gets the money. Right. He doesn't really have any vested interest in Star Wars. It was a job. I think he feels an authorship no, no, over Indiana sense. Jones. That makes sense. I mean, that's why he got so pissed off at Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Yeah. But the other part also of it is... Also because Shia LaBeouf was being annoying. Yeah, being a little, little fart. Yeah. But the other part of it is, um, and uh, interesting counterpoint to uh, Ghostbusters, which was rebooted in 2016, Year of Our Lord. It was. There, it was. Uh, Did anyone... Have anything to say about that, or was that did that sort of pass unnoticed? Well, and it's bizarre because the Ghostbusters are women in this one. In in, in Indiana Jones and the Crystal. Yes, <laughs> yes. They could have done with a couple of lady Ghostbusters in that movie. There is one. Her name's Irina Spalco, and she's played by Kate Blanchett. I think she gets busted, and not by ghosts. <laughs> yeah, she does get busted. It though. didn't make me feel good. Um, <laughs> yes, go on. Yeah, cancel the show. No, no, no. As as you you wanted to say about the Ghostbusters reboot starring Melissa McCarthy. The, there Elvis. are. Uh, there were deals in place with Indiana Jones and Ghostbusters, two of the big franchises of the 80s that mm. I think you will never see replicated ever again in this capacity. Where, like, the stars have a piece of it. And not only that, they have the piece to block it. Uh huh. Right, 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 right. So right. Ghostbusters, it was like... Right, Bill Murray could be a little shit and be like, I don't like this script and you can't do anything without me. Ramis, Murray, Aykroyd, and Reitman all had equal voting rights for Ghostbusters and no one could do anything with Ghostbusters without the four of them. Approved. Yeah, but Aykroyd, you don't got to worry about that guy. Right. I mean, you could just give him a bag of potato chips and say like, it's Ghostbusters 3, it's, here's the script. And right. he'd be like, this looks great. But the Let's do this right now. For so long, they couldn't make a Ghostbusters 3, not only because yeah. Bill Murray didn't want to do it and wouldn't read the script, but because even if they tried to do one without him, they couldn't do it until he said thumbs up. And he was like, I don't want to exist. And they finally like- We've talked enough about Ghostbusters. India Jones is the same thing. Yeah. Where Lucas, Spielberg, and Ford, all three have to approve at the same time like in order pressing to a button simultaneously. Yeah, yeah right. It's a, like a nuclear launch. Yeah. Yes, right. it is. It's like a nuclear. It's harder launch. though. <laughs> right. <laughs> you got to time it exactly. You got to time it exactly, and George Lucas has to agree, which is not easy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that was the problem, right? It it means specifically George yeah. Lucas. Uh, and each of them like gets like eleven percent of the first dollar gross. Like thirty three percent of that movie's gross went to the three of them. Um. So so yeah, uh, Harrison Ford likes money a lot. He talks about this openly. He loves doing stuff for money. He doesn't lower his quote. That's why, you know, in the early 2000s, his career sort of torpedoed when he... He makes movies like Firewall. Because it would pay him $20 million. Firewall. And he turned down a lot of more interesting roles where he could have evolved into becoming an elder statesman character actor. Yeah, sure, whatever. True. Agreed on all points. So these are reasons why Harrison Ford loves Indiana Jones. He loves Indiana Jones? And so they made another Indiana Jones. How many years later was it? Uh, it was, was uh, it f- 18, 19? It's something like that. 89 to 2008. It's 19 years. 19 years later, yeah. they made Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So the first three Indiana Jones movies, all contained within one decade, right? Er- Ehrlich, mm. what do you think of Indiana Jones? Overall? As yeah. a guy and sure. as a franchise. Like, let's say, before Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. were you an indie fan? Or were you sort of an indie... I was conversant in the indie sure. world. But it wasn't, was it, it I work wasn't at your... IndieWire, after all. Do hey, I that not? is hey. true. Which was Named founded after. by Indiana Jones. Yes. <laughs> it was. Yes. Um, 
And uh, then we realized that he only had four movies to talk about, and we would occasionally dip into the adventures of young Indiana Jones True. and the True. video game that was made. Oh, the very, Lucas very Arts good, the very, very good, good. With Atlantis, the Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Atlant- yeah, mm-hmm. no, um, but even then, could only generate enough content for one, maybe two days, and so we had to diversify. You sold out, started talking about independent exactly, films, and, exactly. and the rest is history. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's the origin story of uh, IndieWire. But um, I, I, uh, and your editor is a Crystal Skull alien. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we get all of our. We have to submit all of our pitches. To the Crystal Skull <laughs> through John Hurt, <laughs> yeah, they all spin around you as you read your copy. That, yeah, like Tony Erdman listicle, and it's like <laughs> great. John Goodman starts like whacking spoons together. Um, but uh, I mean, John I, Hurt. What am I talking about? Yeah, I wish John, John Goodman would be John so Goodman good as in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I think Indiana Jones is fine. Uh, I think that. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is uh, a borderline masterpiece, but we'll get there. That's why we got um, you here. But um, I, I, yeah, the movies, the, very few movies of this ilk have a special place in my heart. I did mm. not watch them repeatedly as a child. Mm. They did not sort of uh, were not branded upon my brain. Um, but uh, in a way that like the Lord of the Rings films did. I don't know. Maybe I just gave more of a shit then, or was in like a more formative stage of my life. I grew up brain aged later. I don't know. But uh, they're fine movies. I like them. These are important points. Uh, uh, one is that I feel like you take a pretty hard stance against franchise filmmaking right now. As, not, as many film critics do, but but I not feel, out of principle, just uh, you know by proxy of watching the movies. Sure, I feel like when I read your reviews of whatever the latest entry is in any major franchise, and sometimes you like them more, and sometimes you like them less. There's a real palpable frustration with what has happened to American film culture. Yeah. That would be um, fair. Yes. It's because usually you don't have actual artists behind the camera on these films, and they are not given a set of guidelines that are amenable towards making art. Yeah. All true. Uh, and I, I think the other thing is you don't have a sort of reverential nostalgia for the movies of your childhood. And I have an a lot active of... antipathy for right. the movies of my yes. childhood. I didn't Fuck want to my say childhood. that, yes. They made me into the man I am today, and who <laughs> wants to be that? Yes. Stranger <laughs> Things can kiss my ass. Well, Stranger Things can kiss all of our asses. God, the Duffer, how could you watch something by guys named the Duffer Brothers? Have some self-respect. Come mm-hmm. on. I don't have a lot of self-respect, and but I did not finish Stranger that's the, Things. That's the only bit of self-respect I've ever had, turning <laughs> off Stranger Things. Yes. It was a banner day for me. Uh, I was moving when Stranger Things happened. Yeah. I was like moving apartments, and I was just like, eh, Listen, if I wanted to watch a movie from the 80s, I'd pop in a little film I like to call Broadcast News, all right? Hey, hey you're, one right? Of you're, you're in the right place. Yeah. One of the best. Uh, but as far as this nostalgic horse shit goes <laughs> the indiana jones movies is there something i mean now at least I'm two of interested. them are excellent yes the, at least two of them are excellent i would agree with that but but the point is i mean, it's, I mean it's not a franchise that you revere it doesn't have some sort of emotional like corridor in your heart which no. is the same for me i was also i mean i liked indiana jones but respect, and I had seen respect the craft i gotta tell you this right now yeah. i just gotta come out and say this i was yeah. thinking about this when you were talking about uh harrison ford as a guy um i would not be sad if he died Wow, that's just crazy. I'm not saying that I want him to die. You're just saying, like, like, all right, all right, okay, okay, Ehrlich, I, all right. Uh, you know what I'm saying? She got a few things to you say. Should I cut that out? No, no, or... keep it in. You know keep what I'm saying? That, I do know what you're saying. You know yeah, what I'm saying? It. Is that, like, we, we all we yeah. do now is, uh, I agree with this. And I did this in professional capacity, is just mourn celebrities. We all get together right. on social media and process our loss through them. Uh, and uh, I am certainly not, uh, not hoping that he. Dies. I, I hope that he lives a, a long and happy life and dies I, I am hoping just because I'm in his but world, like, but go on. Yeah. I, I just have, uh, I have no personal connection Coast. to him as a human being whatsoever, and there's nothing for me to connect to. Like, I felt sort of the same way about Carrie Fisher until 
I saw bright lights and started really, uh, and then she died and I started yeah, engaging I, with it. And I was like, oh, I, I can understand that way her about her. I get, you know, because when it feels like something is very unfinished, it's very heartbreaking for yeah. me. Even when I yes. don't usually get affected by, you know, celebrities dying because it's sort of, I mean, how much of my energy can I devote to these mm-hmm. things? You know, I just can't be sad all the time, essentially. Sure. I refuse to be. But things like Carrie Fisher or someone where it just feels like, no, 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 that, that's just, it's just too bad. Like, I just, were, I think it's there was more to happen here. And like, I, I you think know. it's an extension of the fact that like he really, yes, he has witness and he has, uh, you know, firestorm, firewall, firewall. Firewall. Uh, but like he is really in my mind uh, an extension of these franchises. He is mm-hmm. not a real person so much as he is uh, this, uh, you know, uh, anthropomorphic icon from these movies. And uh, if he died, it would be the same to me as like closing a ride at Disney World. Like you, you know, just, it's just be like, well, it had a good run, yeah, and, and like they they put it into storage. Ben, if Harrison Ford has died by like God knows, <laughs> I, I like April twentieth or whatever this is, yeah, we're recording this episode out. in March of two thousand eight <laughs> before Crystal there, still listen, comes out. There are seven billion people on this planet. I can't get bent out of shape for all of them, but uh, um, I, yeah, I do think it's a good point. I mean, like Han Solo is like one of my my. Han Solo is a big deal. Touchstone film characters, uh-huh. you know, especially in is my childhood. Is that the character's name in Firewall? Yes. You mean yes. Uh, you mean that Alden Ehrenreich character? Yes. <laughs> um, but I don't feel like I have an emotional attachment to him. I, I certainly felt more of an emotional attachment to Carrie Fisher, and I think that probably has more to do with her public persona. Yeah, sure, of course. Yeah. I, the thing I found very upsetting about the Carrie Fisher thing was that uh, it felt like she had really sort of reclaimed yes. Control of her narrative in the last couple yeah. of years, and it was a very exciting thing to watch. And she was a strong advocate for people with mental illness, mm-hmm. and also uh, yeah, she was an icon for yeah, beyond princess. Pertinent Leia to this conversation, yeah. uh, part of her personal narrative involved being—I don't know what the right word is—but uh, sexually, uh, just you're in, it's in dry sand. <laughs> involved <laughs> with Harrison Ford in a way that was oh, unflattering true. towards oh, him. Right, yeah. that was that. That was right at the end there. That, that yeah. was that was yeah. uh, that was like her final move. That, that was her. Mo- it did not speak too well of his behavior towards women at a certain point in his life. Certainly, yeah. Uh, you know, thirty-year-old Harrison Ford, a bit of a shit. Yeah, he was like thirty-five, and she 35? was like nineteen. Yeah, man. Hey, yeah. but you know what? I'd fuck Harrison Ford when I'm nineteen and he's thirty-five. I'd do it. You're just looking at me. So the podcast is canceled. <laughs> hey, can I just chime in, guys? Oh, yeah. Producer Ben, a.k.a. the Benducer, a.k.a. Producer Ben, a.k.a. the Poet Laureate, a.k.a. the Haas, a.k.a. the Tiebreaker, a.k.a. the Fart Detective, a.k.a. the Meat Lover, a.k.a. close personal friend of Dan Lewis, a.k.a. <laughs> White Hot Benny. I don't even remember that one. You'll remember it. <laughs> go on, go on. Uh, a.k.a. the Poet Laureate, a.k.a. Helen oh, Fennell. I just remembered it. <laughs> go on. Thank you. Uh, uh, he's graduated to certain tells over the course of different miniseries, such as Ben Night Shyamalan, Ben State, uh, uh, producer Ben Kenobe, uh, Kylo Ben, uh, Should I come back? Thing, uh, Ailey Ben's <laughs> with a dollar sign. Okay. Yeah. There you go. He did it. It's gotten longer since you were here. Last. Producer Ben Hosley. Yeah. Hey Ben, what's up? Uh, so to the uh, point about Carrie Fisher, mm. I feel the same way, but actually, uh, like about Chevy Chase. I'm gonna be really sad when he goes, and I feel like he's really cleaned up his act in the later years. <laughs> Oh, I don't think that's true. I was hoping you were going to say you felt the same way about Chevy Chase that I do Harrison Ford. (laughs) You're just like, (laughs) Chevy Chase is gone. You're like, salute. (laughs) No, man. 
I'm gonna be sad. I know you're gonna be sad when Chevy Chase dies, man. Are they gonna do will. another vacation movie? You think like an old vacation movie? Well, they did the fucking yeah. Ed Helms. He's thing. already passed, passed the on the fedora. Oh my god! Remember the Ed Helm? They passed on the <laughs> RV. Yeah. But I think you gotta like <laughs> you gotta pick your spots. You know, I mean, like we're gonna get into a point now when because with the baby boomers and celebrity culture coming of age in its own way in the middle of the 20th century, where there are going to be people that we regard as famous who die. Every day in great volume. Mm-hmm. This is true. And you're going to have to pick your spots. And like for me, last year, well, January, we'll put into a division all of its own. Um, but after that, you know, it was like Abbas Kiristami over the summer for that you was... cinephiles out there. And that wrecked me. I was, was weeping sad, in a, the lobby of a movie theater in the Czech Republic. And that sort of inured me to uh, a lot of the celebrity deaths that came later. I was like, I don't know. I got it out. I got for it me, out it's here. just, you know. Once in a while, there's just one where I'm like, ah, that one matters to me more, I guess. I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, there people die every day. Like, Anton Yelkin fucks me up because he was so yeah, was yeah. upsetting. Philip Seymour Hoffman's, like, the big disruptor for me. Hoffman, yeah. uh, Gene Wilder, because I always kind of hoped he was going to come back. He at least had a nice run, but yes. He had a great run. But uh, he was maybe my favorite actor. Indiana. Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Billy, Crystal that we lost Billy Crystal Skull? Billy Crystal. Okay, so we're recording this episode in January. It won't come out in April. What if we pick celebrities who we think are going to no, die in the next three no, months? No, I just no, did that. enough bad I compiled, I compiled the list of the people that I thought we should pre-write obituaries for. So Bill and, Crystal's top of the list. But I put some, uh, you know, like everyone was like, it's a like Kirk Douglas, obviously. But like, there were a lot of people in there who were in their 50s or 60s that I was just like, I got a feeling. <laughs> I, gotta, I think they're perfectly healthy, but you, you, I wouldn't be surprised if you read like Eddie Murphy, dead. I don't know. Oh, that just, that would be, be a weird crazy. one. That would yeah. be crazy yeah. if Eddie Murphy. The thing about someone like Eddie Murphy is it's like, then you're like, okay, so now do we finally get to know, like, what it, yeah. what was up with that guy? Yeah. You know, there's a few people where it's like, they're not, like, out of public life exactly, but they're practically out of public like life. Like Irina Spalko, you want to know. You, you want to know. Oh, man. Well, so let's, let's be get back on three subject. Irina Spalkos. Yeah. That was, that was as classy a segue as I could come up with. Excellent Back segue. On Away from the presumed death of Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Billy Crystal Skull. <laughs> now that's a movie. If it's Billy Crystal when they put the head on and he's like, hey! <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> if he starts performing his one-man play. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, 700 uh, Sundays. Yeah. He does the fucking jazz character. <laughs> my dad and the Yankees and oh my God. <laughs> Mickey man, <laughs> I can make fun of Billy. Every Crystal Sunday, my father and I would go out and search if, for the Ark of the Covenant. If we had only had the good sense to nominate Kingdom of the Crystal Skull for Best Picture, mm. and he had hosted the Oscars that year, oh, which he would have had a statistically could have. This yeah. could have happened. Your dream could have been. For all I know, he did host the Oscars yeah. this year. He hosted the Oscars recently, and as Ben is referencing, did blackface. That happened like during the Obama administration <laughs> for a Katrina fundraiser. <laughs> Is that true? Yes. Yeah, he did Jazz Man. Oh. Dude, I was watching that Jimmy Fallon blackface thing. What? Yeah. That is fucking crazy. He played Chris Rock in blackface in on SNL. Full blackface. What? In like, what is it? Probably like 2001, 2002, 2002? somewhere around yeah. there. And yeah. so then when he was hosting the Golden Globes, he was like, oh, I've got a really good idea. When he was doing the Chris Rock, everyone was like, Oh, that was kind of odd. And everyone was like, you thought that was odd? <laughs> you should see his old Chris Rock impression. And, and here's it. the other thing. SNL. Oh, my God. <laughs> sorry, Can I see the picture? <laughs> yes. The, the picture works every Jeez. time. When it's... Jimmy Fallon dies, that should be the photo that runs next to his <laughs> We would tweet this out from the Blank Check Pod again, but we don't want to get banned. <laughs> Can I just throw out there? SNL moves so fast and is a live show. That they had to commit to, like, we're going to put him in full blackface, including his hands and body, 
And Take Jimmy Fallon out of five consecutive sketches in order to do <laughs> like they had to put so much thought into like, yes, this is a good idea that we should commit to. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Also, uh, Jimmy Fallon in blackface, never on Harold Knight. So, <laughs> Indiana Jones, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> I, I think about 1999, like 10 years after Last Crusade, which at the time they thought, like, this is it, book closed. It's called The Last Crusade, after all. They ride off into the sunset, that was the last one. Yeah, about 10 yeah years but the later, first movie in the series was called Final Destination, and there were six, right. five of them. Fuck. So... That's probably what Harrison Ford said to George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. That's what changed his mind. In when 2000, Final Destination 2 came out, he was like, see, they're, they're doing it. So he, uh, they start talking again. They start talking again, right? Um, and mm-hmm. uh, Lucas is uh, in, in his prequel land. Yeah, he's, he's making the prequels. And they hire a series of writers. They're sort of revolving door. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I know Darabont, obviously, but who else was? Who uh, else was Jeff Nathanson, who yeah, gets I a, know that he gets a story, story credit. credit. Who yeah. did Catch Me If You Can in the Terminal with Spielberg? Here's the thing about Jeff Nathanson: wrote Catch Me If You Can, a movie we both like. Yeah. Apart from that, like, yeah, like, yeah, love, love, love. We love Catch Me. I think it's a masterpiece. Dare you? We, we just raved it on a previous episode. I it's said so I think good. it's one of his finest. Yeah, yeah. it is. Here's yeah. here's Jeff Nathanson's career: Speed Two, Cruise Control, The Three Rush Hours. No. Only two and three. Two and three. Ooh. Not even one. Ooh. And I don't know if one is like a better tip, you know, flower in your hat, but just two and three, that's not looking good. The no. terminal. Yeah. Then he writes and directs that movie, The Last Shot, the like movie right. making comedy with Matthew Broderick. Can you remember that? And Baldwin, thing? yeah. Uh and then uh Tower Heist. Which is good. Takes <laughs> takes a long break, and now he's he's the writer of Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, oh, eight or whatever, whichever, you know, the new one. Yeah. B- Bardem. Talk about <laughs> franchises I want them to reboot. I, I would love to see Those a new- cocky motherfuckers don't even put the series name in the teaser for the Bardem one. It's just the goddamn skull and it's crossbones. Just, it's just uh, Bardem going like, would you tell- Would you tell him that for me? <laughs> tell him, please. Hey, tell <laughs> Captain Jack. Pretty, pretty I'd please. like to say, I, you know, maybe we should get coffee sometime. <laughs> and juice some caramel. I turned into Hammerhead Shark. <laughs> What the fuck? I love how they're like, what do people love about the Pirates of the Caribbean series? It's a ship of pirates that turned into some weird thing, right? Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's what they want, right? Yeah. Nobody cares about that. Yeah, I also- Who who cares about the fucking cursed pirates? The other ones are like- They're all like sailing into some goddamn like sector of the Indian Ocean. They're all turning into mollusks. It's ridiculous. It's also like, okay, first one, what is it? They're skeletons. Second one, what is it? Sea monsters. Yeah, they're fish. Right, Right, they're fish people. Third one, they're like samurai pirates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, right, right, right. right. I didn't okay. see the fourth one. Fourth one, I, I haven't seen either, but it's zombie pirates. That's oh, the whole Jesus. idea. The fifth one, you watch the trailer, and I've seen the trailer like five times now. I can't figure out what Bardem and his crew are supposed <laughs> they, to be. They're, they're like particle people, people, but like, yeah, like some of them are, isn't there anymore. I they're don't deteriorating, <laughs> but in slow motion in the air. <laughs> They look like that Drake Sprite commercial where his head opens up yes, and all the pieces fly true. out. Now that, if Drake in the Sprite commercial was the villain of Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Drake know, we, tells we no can, not. We can't talk about that because I'm currently in the middle of a class action lawsuit with the Sprite people for their drink not actually splitting my head open, <laughs> allowing me to engineer better rap music. You're a hero and uh, tort reform is made for you. <laughs> Have I ever told the story of when I, I finally convinced my parents to buy me Gushers from the supermarket and I thought I had like you the thought you were gonna, commercials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I literally, as I opened up the pack, turned to my parents and went, stand back. (laughs) (laughs) But I expected that my head was going to turn into a watermelon. (laughs) And I was like, stand back. You're an impressionable, idiotic child. Very impressionable, (laughs) very idiotic. So, Crystal Skull, 2008. 
Yeah, well, when this movie really starts cooking is after Revenge of the Sith is done. Sure. Right. And now Lucas, Lucas can devote it his full right, attention. Right, he's like, ah, oh, finally I get Which to kick back problem. and relax. And he does that for approximately 15 minutes before he's like, oh, fuck, how do I meddle with something else? Right. <laughs> now, uh, Frank Darabont had uh, submitted a script, had, had uh, submitted, had been hired to write a script called Indiana Jones and the City of Gods. Okay. Okay. Right? It's an okay title. Um, that script was uh, delivered to them in 2013. Mm. And Spielberg was- 2013? What are you talking about? 2003? Yes. I'm sorry. 2003. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm an idiot. Yeah, you are. We already established. Very impressionable. Very idiotic. M. Night Shyamalan wrote a script as well. Oh, yeah. We should make clear. Yeah. Um, I wonder what that thing was. <laughs> uh, that was the script uh, that was in the back of Vinny Chase's, or E's car- <laughs> I think that he... It's a great episode. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Indiana Jones and the Lady in the Water. I was going to say it was just Lady in the Water, and then he rewrote it to make it a a handyman. He made Paul Giamatti get it. Yeah. All right. uh, Go ahead. Okay. So, uh, 2003, Darabont draft. Spielberg looks at it. He goes, hey, now. Big thumbs up. Ford looks at it. He goes, hey, now. Big thumbs up. It had, it had like, it's set in the 50s. It had, like, ex-Nazis. It, it was, like, inspired by the, like, Argentinian Nazi stuff. Have you read the script? No, I've never read it. I have. It uh-huh. is very easily findable on the internet. Sure, sure. I yeah. don't read these things. I can't be bothered. Well, I, my, uh, in the summer of 2008, my best friend Derek Simon, who I believe has been uh, uh, referred to previously on the podcast, uh-huh. was working at the Weinstein Company. Okay, so you read the script. He was a script reader, and he found it on the shelf, okay. physically. So you read the script. Tell me about the script before we get to the actual movie. It's really similar to Crystal Skull. Uh-huh. Except no Mutt Williams. Interesting. Uh, Marion Ravenwood is actually a part of the plot. Sure. Um, and the bad guy is Yuri, a Russian who Indiana Jones fought alongside... Uh-huh. So it's like what happened after World War II. Right. American, Russians, allies, and right. then enemies. And they split up, and he sort of takes the Arena Spalko role, and then the Mac role is Marion's- It's actually just Ray Winston. Is Ray Winston, uh, the actor. Uh, the Mac role <laughs> is um, Marion's husband, okay, who seems like a British stuffy professor mm-hmm. shirt and ends uh-huh. up being the turncoat, and once he turns, he just turns. They don't do the fucking quadruple reverse. Well, it's version. actually just a double- Double reverse, but the sure, third time was right. Fake. It's just it's a double it's a double switch, and then Indiana Jones is the one actually moving himself around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the same elements, but No Mutt Williams is the big one, but, right? Okay, fine. But the big the big kind of hook they had was uh, Post Schindler's List. Spielberg didn't want to put. He didn't want to do Nazis. He was sick of Nazis. He was very clear with that. He said, like, now that I've done the serious film, I'm I'm against using them as just sort of like a token of evil. Mm-hmm. Um. So. They also noted there was a passage of time. Everyone had gotten older, sure. so let's adjust let's, it. Let's, let's do the Soviets. Right. right. Let's do the Cold War. And then they had this sort of idea that was, well, we were making films that were set in the 40s, adventure serials, you know, pulp, two-fisted heroes. That was the main sort of, like, pop iconography of that time. If we go to the 60s, we should make it be sci-fi movies. 50s, but yes. Sorry. But yes, I agree. And that's the general idea, right? If the 30s serials were these fantasy adventures with, you know, jungles and savages and whips, like yeah. the 50s should be sci-fi serials with like spacemen and aliens and all that. Right. You know, Cold War era. So the Darabont script isn't perfect. Sure. But it is a much better version of what we got mm. that is um, more cohesive mm. and is dominantly a man-out-of-time movie. And weirdly features the same ending that he would eventually use in The Mist. Yes, the exact same ending. Yeah. Well, that's a good ending in The Mist. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but, okay, it, but, but but it's the man at a time thing is the big. But thing. But then Lucas throws it out, right? Lucas goes no. Yeah. He is like, here are all the things that I think are wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And by accounts, what I've heard is that Ford and Spielberg just went, you know what, George? Fine. Right. Hire someone. Give them the notes. Have them write exactly what you want. And then they pick. He does that. Our favorite man. Hired gun, David Cap. David Cap. He rewrites the script and kind of just like takes the exact skeleton of what uh, Darabont did and throws weird flesh on top of it, right? I want to note some of the uh, other titles. Sure. Indiana Jones and the Atomic Ants uh-huh. was the Nathanson script. David Kepps was called uh, Destroyer of Worlds. Uh-huh. Then he jokingly called it Indiana Jones and the Son of Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, I believe Saucer Man from Mars was at one point oh, a title. Jesus Christ. And then... Spielberg decided it should be called Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because it should have the word Crystal Skull in it. I don't know. I well, don't know. These these old guys sometimes. Yeah. I mean, do you think Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a good title, David Ehrlich? I mean, that's like asking like me this if movie? Radiohead is a good band name. Like, I can't think of... All I think of is Radiohead, the <laughs> I think band. Radiohead's yeah. a good band name. I think it's probably a shit band name, but yeah. it's the best band of my lifetime. And so, you know, I just think of it like, oh, that's what their band name is. I and mean, Crystal Skull's the Radiohead of movies. Right, and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it's like... I, I would be unable to tell you if it's a good or bad title because it is the movie that I know and love. Extremely good answer from David okay. Ehrlich. Uh, the the point here though is that uh, yeah, by all accounts, <laughs> Lucas supervised rewrite. Now mm. that he's got time to focus on it after uh, yeah. Sith, and they just go like, "Fine, you know what? We're never gonna get it made without his approval. We're more likely to bend to his whims than right. he is to Ford's ours." Right, Ford's getting old. Let's get right. this done. And Let's they just do it. they yep. just fucking do it. They peel it off. The movie comes out. It does well. People dislike it. It's dormant. Uh, the first time, uh, I believe George Lucas publicly steps out with his now wife, Melanie Hobson, mm. is at the premiere of the movie oh, at the nice. Cannes Film Festival, and she's the one who, by all accounts, encouraged him to sell Lucasfilm, to let go, to right. enjoy life, to Which get back, to Which is why now Lucas has no part of Indiana Jones 5, right? Same yeah. with Star Wars. You know, he doesn't have control, and that's when Disney went, oh, now we're doing a new Indiana Jones. Right. It's Spielberg and Ford back again, but no Lucas, no Lucas, I promise you. No, Lucas. Isn't it crazy when it was the whole publicity tour before, like, The Force Awakens or whatever, was just Disney being like, it's great. We're going to make new movies. Like, huge subtext. George Lucas is not here. Yeah. He's nowhere near any of this anymore. What if they cast Alden Ehrenreich to play... Indiana Jones? Indiana Jones, yeah. What if they cast him to play Mutt Williams? (laughs) Yeah, is Shia going to come back? I don't think so. Uh, Unless unless he can do it in the guise of one of his... uh, uh, What's that group called that he does the art, the... I know what you're talking about. Uh, Yeah, they can just be like, your new thing is you pretend to be Matt Williams and and talk to Harrison Ford. I think Shia's getting there. I think he's he's almost looped all the way back around. As he runs out of money, he's uh, getting there. I mean, look, I don't know about Shia's personal finances. I do. do. Um, (laughs) but, But so at this point in time, Harrison Ford has been working very sporadically. Yeah. Years off. I mean, he had a couple of big flops in a row where like Random Hearts underperformed. K-19 was a big flop. Hollywood Homicide was a big flop. And then he, like, takes some years off, and it's like Firewall was his comeback, and it didn't really land. Yeah, just to give you his 2000s, yeah, What Lies Beneath, which is great. That's a big uh, hit. No. K-19. Yeah, you're you're very anti-Zemeckis, and I'm sort of quasi-anti-Zemeckis. Yeah. I'm with you after What Lies Beneath. K-19, which is a kind of a flop. Huge flop. Hollywood homicide, huge which flop. Is, you know, Firewall in 06, and then this. So right. yeah, he's really he's been taking it easy. Yeah. After this, he starts making stuff. He comes back, yeah. and it's less special. 
Yeah, and then it's just like, oh, there's Harrison Ford in Ender's game. Right. And he's gruff. Yeah. He sure is gruff. He starts doing Comic-Con too many times. Yeah. It's like all that. Blooms off the road. Oh, yeah. I was at Comic-Con when they brought him out for Cowboys and Aliens in handcuffs. handcuffs. Yeah. Fucking Cowboys and Aliens. And then they brought me in handcuffs to go see that fucking movie. (laughs) (laughs) It was awful. And weirdly, it was also Jon Favreau leading you in the handcuffs, personally escorting you into the theater. Uh, Shia, on the other hand, uh, you know, auditions for Transformers. Spielberg looks at the tape and goes, not only is this the guy we're hiring, right. but I think this is the next Tom Hanks. And personally, like, curates Shia LaBeouf as the next leading man. Because he also produces uh, Eagle Eye, doesn't he? And Disturbia. And Disturbia, but which is a huge hit. Right. Remember, Disturbia was a big hit. And Eagle Eye makes $100 million. Disturbia, yeah, eyes, Disturbia eyes. Disturbia's premise is like, why don't we just take Rear a window. Hitchcock movie <laughs> yeah. and then just make it dumb enough for teenagers? Pretty much. <laughs> like, Those... There's a winning formula. DJ Caruso and Shia LaBeouf almost got the rights to Why the Last Man based on Disturbia's yeah. success. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he makes Transformers first, and then that movie with a long post-production schedule. Spielberg's like, I need to get you a smaller kind of like B, you know, programmer, right, so we can have another to release movie before this year, Transformers yeah. to sort of roll out the carpet. That comes out three months earlier, does surprisingly well, and Transformers that summer. Vanity Fair's like, here's the next, the next guy. They have their cover where it's him in the astronaut suit, and it says like, the star has landed, <laughs> and like, there's this big push of Jesus. like. I, you can you no wonder he went insane. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it makes perfect sense. And they're like, LaBeouf's the guy. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, he's gonna do two more Transformers. He's the kid in Indiana Jones, and he does Eagle Eye. He does this run of DreamWorks movies that all make over. Also, Wall Street Two. Let's not forget. That's like the last it's, one. Well, it's it's the same year as Transformers Three. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's that run of like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disturbia, Transformers One, uh, Indiana Jones, Transformers Two, Eagle Eye, Transformers Three. All those movies are huge hits. Then Wall Street opens big. Wall Street's 10, Transformers 3's 11. It doesn't matter. Whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The point is, he had a thing where like seven consecutive movies of his opened to number one. Sure. And everyone was like, I guess Spielberg pulled it off. I guess LaBeouf is the guy. And then LaBeouf was like, fuck the world. I'm losing my mind. Right. Right now. But Mutt Williams, not not widely well received. I think that Agreed. it was, uh, that that probably tipped LaBeouf's hand yes. in uh, going deciding that this wasn't the path for him. And yeah. and very notably, he, like, within a year of the movie ca- coming out while doing press for whatever his next movie was, started shit-talking the movie and the character a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, and the character and kind of Steven Spielberg and Harrison yeah. Ford. I mean, and, like, he the everyone under the bus. He's yeah. like, these guys aren't artists anymore. You know, it's this thing. Like, I want to make stuff I really care about. And he's yeah, I like, looked up to those guys. And, eh. and I love Indiana Jones. And it sucks to feel like I'm the fucking Jar Jar. Yeah, shut up, Shia. Nobody cares. But Spielberg like flips out on him and is like, "This is about selling cars." Wait, like he no one to shut up. Called himself the Jar Jar, or I believe he did because that is a double, a double fuck you. Yes, that's true because you're getting Lucas <laughs> yeah. in there as yeah. well. He like burned everyone. That's just efficient. And Spielberg kind of pushed him out and was like, you know, ungrateful. Mm-hmm. And then like Shy has been in the the wilderness since then. You yeah, know, the wilderness of Lars von Trier. I mean, right. that's a upgrade as far as I'm concerned. Well, not, maybe not from the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but certainly from Eagle Eye. And the Transformers films. Yeah, the thing is, I feel like after Eagle Eye, it's like, Shia is not really opening any movies. Obviously, there's the two Transformers movies. Right. They open themselves. But Eagle Eye does so weirdly well. It did okay. $100 million for that movie is pretty impressive. When Michelle Monaghan is second build. Yeah. but That was sold on him. Yeah, whatever. I'm not impressed. I just uh, think it's interesting because that's after Crystal Skull. I think it takes like two years for everyone to start resenting him for Mutt Williams. Sure. Like there was such a like, 
overexposure thing where then it like took some time for everyone to step away and be like, wait, do we actually like this guy or are we just being told that we like this guy? Yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, let's stop debating Shia LaBeouf's arc of his career. I think once Transformers 2 comes out, on top of, as you're saying, a year of thinking about it, people are like, all right, like, let's see something new from Shia LaBeouf. But right? that's, that's and the, now we have, yes. and it's called American Honey. Yeah. And I love him in it. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about him in it, David? I, I love him in it. Yeah. Because we all found love in a hopeless place with him. My point is just that the big shift between the Darabont draft and the draft that eventually yeah, got greenlit, the, in the inclusion of the kid. Right. And that's like, Lucas's big thing is he wants the kid. And then Spielberg sees that as a vehicle to like push his kid right. from being a movie star to being an icon. Well, some would argue that uh, the inclusion of the kid character is what makes Kingdom of the Crystal Skull the special effective film that it is that completely galvanizes the narrative and uh, bridges the... Together, the the duality that Griffin was talking about earlier about Harrison Ford wanting to have a role that speaks to his intellectual side um, and also his physical Please rigor. Do this. Uh, yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there in due time. <laughs> well, let's start talking about the movie. Let's start talking about the movie. Yeah. So the movie starts with something that's straight out of the Deron trap. I'm not going to keep comparing it. Yeah, but just, just don't okay. because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, Wait, what were you gonna well, I was just going to say, um, I think the first 21 minutes of this film, up to and including the fridge nuking scene yes. I think are I'm... some of the best action filmmaking ever made. I fucking love the first 20 minutes of this movie. I, I'll go this far. Uh-huh. I think the movie works until minute 55. Oh, I think the movie works uh, until minute 100 okay. and whatever. I, I guess we should. But, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, you, just, I just think that yeah, he yes. is operating yes. at a level yes, he is. that I, it matches great. or exceeds anything in the previous Indiana Jones so film. much fun. He's so and, fun. you know, we've been doing Spielberg, so we've been like, you know, basically from Saving Private Ryan, but certainly from AI through to this, you know, through to War of the Worlds, Spielberg's not having no fun. I guess Catch Me If You Can, but that's such a melancholy movie. Oh, I think, and then the terminal yes. is him trying to have fun, and you're, you know, it, it feels like he's trying to mix chemicals together. Like, you know, it doesn't feel and fun. And that's the at same all. thing with Lost World. I, it, right. It right. falls into two camps where it's either like. How do you forget to have fun? Haunted, melancholy, <laughs> right. and it's him exploring shades of gray. Where's the movie where, like, Spielberg meets a, a young woman blowing through town who <laughs> reminds him how to have fun in the mid aughts? Oh, should maybe make a vehicle for himself yeah, as an actor. Yeah, no, that's. Oh, who would play Spielberg in a movie, in like a biopic one day? Griffin Newman? I, I wasn't going to say it myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. David um, Sims. Yeah, David Sims. So I, I just want to say, yeah, I saw this movie in 2008. Mm-hmm. I did Opening not. Night at the Ziegfeld. Uh, I saw it at the AMC Lincoln Square. I didn't okay. have a job. I just moved to New York City. Did you see it at the Ziegfeld, Erla? Opening saying, Night at the Ziegfeld. Oh, okay. I saw the Ziegfeld. Okay, yeah. Uh, and I ran in. There used to be a guy. I wish I could remember his name. But if you ever went to go see a movie at an AMC, certainly an AMC in New York, around that time, the pre-show guy was like this generic white guy with brown hair. And he's like, I'm this guy. Like, if you saw his face, you'd be like, holy shit. It would touch you at like a a Proustian (laughs) Right, it would be like a Madeline. Yeah. Uh, And he sat in front of me at opening night at the Ziegfeld and I lost my goddamn (laughs) mind. And I was just like, you're the guy. And we have like a picture. It's like probably like the first photo on my face. Was this the guy who hosted the 20? Was it yeah, the possibly. 20? It was okay. possibly the guy. Who I used the to 20. be a big fan of the twenty. <laughs> you were you would like dissect it you before like, I went to like AMC First Look or whatever it was. The well, it's 20. Regal for, I guess Regal it's AMC First, First Look. No, I think it had AMC. First Look became like the right. brand. Right. Like now, suddenly it was you couldn't escape it. I liked the twenty. Yeah, you liked the twenty. Yeah. Well, I, I now I'm remembering. I went to see it. Uh, I got a phone call ten minutes in offering me a job at a chess shop in New York City. I oh. had just moved to New York, yeah. I, so I left the theater, took the job. What? I literally just moved back to New York wow. City. And so I did not see Indiana Jones. And then I like went back a week later and saw it. 
Uh, it was a packed house at the AMC Lincoln Square. I only remember this because a guy came in, sat next to me, pulled his hat over his eyes, fell asleep during the trailers, slept through the whole movie. It was, and I was George Lucas. I was just like, what, what is, what, what is, why are you doing this? Like, why, why did you do this? I was just so fascinated with this man. Like, I couldn't tell if he was just bouncing from theater to theater all day, maybe. Just but sleeping. from the moment that Gopher pops up. Okay. Uh, and you have that, uh, there's just, one of the things that I love about this movie, and you see this also in uh, The Adventures of Tintin, some of the better parts of War of the Worlds, is this real fluid sense of kineticism. And the way the camera moves, mm -hmm. the way that it stitches things together, um, every camera shot is so elegantly choreographed and beautifully motivated. And you get that right from the start with him driving down the road and the girls and the Russians mm -hmm. and the way that they all uh, flower out so that they can assassinate the people at the... I love the, that. And the, I think, the guy taking the knee to yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, tie his shoes. But it, it's the, yeah. you're, you're talking about the fun. I think that it is what you guys were talking about earlier in as far as uh, the 50s um, sci-fi hokiness. That's what gives him permission to have this kind of fun um, in a way that he had been missing for a little while. I think he needed to tap into a wheelhouse that he was really familiar with. I agree. Igor Gijikini. Plays a Dostoevsky or whatever yeah, his name is. What a face. The, the, yeah, what a face. great face. That guy's got a scary fucking face. Um, if, if I can just... Uh, I, I agree with that. That's the thing I love about Tintin is I think Tintin's able to sustain that from beginning to end because Tintin's a lot more um, singular in what it's focusing on. It's very, it's very focused and sparse in terms of like what's going on with the story. So it's able to just use that. Tintin is his uh, Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm, that's a good call. So um, what's Indiana Jones? Nobody else has made anything on par with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It's uh, unto itself. So would you say this is your number one film of 2008? I can't imagine that's the case. But it's uh, probably my number one Spielberg film of 2008. How's that? Did he make anything else? No, that was the one. <laughs> right. um, and this is his first film since War of the Worlds, right? So he'd taken a while. I, 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 it's considerably yeah. better than War of the Worlds, I think. Yeah. Uh, as Worlds a piece of something. I mean, because War of the Worlds has the disastrous third act and so on. As we um, just discussed yeah. last week. Oh, yeah. Munich is between the two. Oh, oh right. Of course, Munich. Right, 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 right. Munich, one of his great films. This is a really underrated period in his career. I hope, as I hope you guys dis yeah. rediscover uh, through this series. I, I totally. I mean, we have been, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, so I, uh, like a month before this movie came out, had not seen any of the Indiana Jones movies. Oh, so you're just not an indie kid. It was weird. I just, it was not part of my childhood. I, I, I mean, like, I was more of like a Star Wars kid. Or yeah. I, but I'd seen them all. I liked them. Yeah. I, I think there was a point where I just felt like I had, through osmosis, absorbed everything that was Indiana Jones. Sure. You knew and it, it wasn't like I didn't have an interest in seeing them, but I was like, I feel like I've seen them. I know all the things. Okay. So then you watched them. I'm, I'm living with uh, my, my roommate at the time. I mentioned that to him when we were talking about the new one coming and he's out. he's like, you haven't seen Indiana Jones. Right, and he has the box oh, set. Oh, you haven't in love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I lived with the Kijibay. Yeah. yeah. I, watched, I was going more hot fuzz. But <laughs> fair, enough. fair enough. I watched the three Indiana Jones movies the week leading up to Crystal Skull. So you were amped. I, I was amped, but it also wasn't like, I didn't have like a decade or, you know, a lifetime of like, Processing what Indiana Jones was, what was sure. mandatory in Indiana right. Jones. It hadn't movie. been written into you your had taken DNA. An Indiana yeah. Jones Viagra, not a Cialis. Right. It mm. felt like I was like binging a TV show, and I was like, okay, what's the next I episode? Think, I think that's how those work. Right? Yes. Mm. Cialis. Mm. I'm 32. Cut me some slack. Yeah. Look, I can still get a hard on. Another <laughs> yeah. couple of years at least. Um, <laughs> a couple of years. I don't know what's done. What Trump's gonna do? God, no, he's gonna take our hard ons now. <laughs> uh, I I interned. It's gonna be so sad if everyone's hard ons already taken by that's the time true. that that's this true. episode That'll comes out. That'll be a real bummer. Take that out, Ben, if, if that's yeah. happening. Uh, make America hard again. Um, I interned 
for Relativity, the company that's currently in company? Currently in like extreme bankruptcy court, right? Sharing yeah, yeah. an office with a uh, softcore uh, tits website. Hey, man. You know, yeah. you get the offices you can take. I don't know. Um, <laughs> take the offices you can get. Sorry. But I uh, interned for them at the Cannes Film Festival in 2008. Okay. In their like uh, hotel suite, in you know where they were fucking tr- trying to raise money and promote their shit and what have you. Yeah, uh, a very very bizarre experience. But it was the year that Crystal Skull was premiering at Cannes. Sure. And there was all this buzz and all this hype about the movie, and no one had seen it. And it was super top secret. And even in press, they were like, "Is it about aliens?" And Spielberg was like, "I don't know, maybe." Yeah, because the trailers were pretty light mm-hmm. on details. It was just like he swings on a whip. You know, like it was very basic. And like yeah, they, they yeah I guess it I mean, wasn't just him going like you're a teacher and then he goes part time. Yep, yeah, they did that. They did that shit, and they kept like even Karen Allen being in it secret for a long time. Oh no, she was at uh, no because they had that. Picture. I was at the Comic Con panel, and right. she was she was. I feel like they were denying it, it for a bit before they revealed. They it. they they gaslighted us from yeah. being at Comic Con, and they, they certainly like, they tried to like act like Mutt Williams wasn't his son. They went like, no. yes, that is true. They were like, no, he's uh, playing a young, uh, young no, character. He's yeah. not. He's not Khan. Never, right. never heard of Khan. Like, that fucking bullshit. <laughs> he's playing. What, what was the fake name of Khan? Where it's like he's J- John Smith. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> he's it's, a new villain. I think it's Harrison. <laughs> yes, it's John Harrison. He's a new villain with the great name of John Harrison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going to be great, you guys. Star Trek. It has lots of human villains who are just guys named John. <laughs> Famed. God, the worst fucking. That's not that long from now, isn't it? When is that? 2000. No, it's like when that movie comes out. 2000. Yeah. 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 All right. It's a while. Anyway. Anyway, I'm at Con where everyone's fucking flipping out about Indiana Jones. It's not a positive way or negative way, but there's all this like, it's back. 19 years. Okay. And it's like kind of such a big promotional thing. There's just like Indiana Jones shit everywhere. And like all the critics who are there are like, fuck this. Like, why is this taking up all this attention at Con? I'm like, this is supposed to be for like actual movies. And then, like, the public is just like, Indiana Jones. And, like, no one's seen it, but I just, like, am so excited uh-huh. by, like, all the hullabaloo. I, of course, can't see it when I'm there because it's, like, you're totally yeah, stacked. Yeah. And I, like, fly back and I get back into New York the Friday night the movie comes out and I go to see it with my friends sold out at 34th Street. Mm-hmm. And I walk and I'm like, that's fine. That's, like, another Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. Because I had just seen them all. You know, mm-hmm. I was, like, not great, not terrible. With more time, the things that are kind of, like, the real sore thumbs of this movie stuck out to me more. Mm-hmm. And I think I downgraded this movie more in my memory mm-hmm. because I only remember the shitty seen parts. It again. But I hadn't seen it again. So I watched it in theaters, and then my, friends, my friend does this thing every Black Friday where he, he, he watches all four Indiana Joneses, mm-hmm. and he puts them up against another quartet of films. Okay. And he watched them in alternating, and that's all about uh, Friday. Uh, what? Who yeah. does this? He's a, he's a maniac. <laughs> so it's like... He starts at like 9 a.m. and it's like Raiders, and yeah. then it's like Rambo, you know, and then it's uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Uh, no, no, Raiders. Yeah, you could do it with Alvin and the Chipmunks, right. sure. Uh, like Rugrats year, is only four unless you include Wild Thornberry. Yeah, it movie became a Rambo. bit of a t- one year he did Alien, one did he did Rambo, one year he did I can't remember. Like he, you know, he did various ones. Uh-huh. So I would keep seeing Crystal Skull at least in pieces, and in pieces I'd just be like, ah, fuck this, you know. And it's like late, and I'm drunk, and I don't like it, you know. So that was my, and I just watched it now. And uh, it's a great movie. I was like totally, I uh, totally turned around on that movie. It'd be like it what? has its problems. I'm, yeah, know, I'm not, I'm not Mister. You don't like you look know, at, at, at like a here. little <laughs> tiny sliver of the Sistine Chapel when you're drunk no, and exactly. go like, oh, what is this shit? No, you have to. This you're is right. a, a beaut- This is a a finely calibrated machine 
that needs to be experienced in, in full. Hey, man. So I remember reading hey this now. interview with Spielberg mm-hmm. where he talked about that he studied the original films a lot because he was like, I had to get back to a younger filmmaker and a simpler filmmaker. Like, I wanted these films to be consistent. And uh, Douglas Slocum, who shot the first three movies, was retired at this point. And so he had his buddy Yanush shoot it. And Yanush was Yanni. like, I had to shoot, I had to fucking rewatch the movies and figure out how he shot it. Make it look more like that. Right, because he's not doing a lot of his usual fun stuff. Yeah. Yanni, old, old, um, old big big JK. And Spielberg says a lot in the press. He's not putting a lot of nets on those lenses. No, he's not netting those lenses. <laughs> uh, Spielberg says a lot in the press before this movie comes out, like, I watched those old films, and I saw how tactile they were, and I really wanted to force myself to use as little CGI as possible. Yeah. And the opening shot of the movie is a CGI <laughs> gopher coming out of the turf. Hey, man, the Paramount logo turns into a little gopher hill. It always turns into something. It's cute. It's cute. It's a CGI gopher. Yeah, and you're just like, really? You could- There are like, There is like one thing- that I don't like about this movie. The gophers? Which is? And it's, no, it's just the, the it's the CG really in the uh, chase sequence in the jungle. I yeah. think that sequence is that where is the egregious. movie starts to fall apart. I think that's yeah. that's where, yeah, if you're maybe not totally on board with the movie, you're suddenly like, I'm sick of this. This doesn't, this is no fun, essentially. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, the CG in that scene is rough. The monkeys, the sword fighting, all that. That's where people really, uh, I think, Yeah, the out. swinging, I mean, that's, it's a rough scene, but you, you wonder if Spielberg had, uh, if you were the George no, no. Lucas, he could do a special edition, go over, smooth that over, suddenly right. reveal the movie to be the masterpiece that I at least know that it is. But I've also... It's a, fucking, it's a pretty fucking good movie. I was just watching it, and I was like, this is so much fun. Why, why was I ever hard on There's this movie? Stuff. It just it yeah. fucking moves. It moves. Yeah. Like, what, that, it's, again... And it, I'm sitting down thinking, like, God, what is this, like, two hours, 25 minutes? It's two hours on yeah. the dot. I, I honestly think that, you know, and I, I uh, inadvertently got myself... I fell down a uh, rabbit hole of, of finding parallels between... The plot of this film and the uh, rise of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, I yeah so yeah I mean we'll, we'll retweet I, David Ehrlich's tweet storm. I do think that uh, the one moment that that was sort of uh, presaged the nightmare that we're all currently living in, at least circa January of 2017. Uh, who knows what's happening in April? Is well, that I assume America is, is that a, again right. as promised? Uh, America saw this movie. And thought that the fridge nuking scene, rather than the beautiful apotheosis of everything that Indiana Jones stands for and has always been, uh, and the perfect capper to this ridiculously entertaining, kinetic, wild opening twenty Those minutes. Those first twenty minutes are fantastic. Uh, that ends in the, the, this, I mean, there's this whole thing about uh, the nuclear family that you see and represents everything that Indiana and nuclear is a pun in this case, but it's also. Uh, right on the money in terms of the family that Indiana Jones has never allowed himself to have, has never mm-hmm. settled down for. His whole character is sort of this push and pull between family obligations and the anchor that it provides versus the freedom of being in the field, the the you know being tethered to academia. Also, the meta commentary of Steven Spielberg nuking a suburban fifties household. Yes. Well, yeah, no, but totally. I mean, like, it, it destroys the nuclear family right, with a, right. uh, cause you have all the mannequins there on the couch watching TV with, yeah. uh, with a nuclear bomb and Indy getting in that mega fridge and riding it through a blast. It's, it's a perfectly Spielbergian touch, uh, and seeing the reaction to it, seeing it become synonymous with almost you know, new language trying to with turn jumping the nuke shark. the fridge yeah, yeah. into, a, into uh, a term. I was like, we're, we're doomed. We are, we are 10 years tops away from full-on collapse. I said that out loud to the man from the 20 in front of me. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, are. hi. <laughs> I don't like the movie as much as the two of you. I like it more than most people. 
I do think that section is unquestionably the best part of the movie. Yeah. I think the part with him in the nuke test site is the best section of the movie. It, it is. It's it's clever. It's like funny, you know, in like in an unusual way, like and in a way that feels familiar and right for these movies. I mean, and the thing especially that bugs me with everyone, you know, getting all high and mighty when fucking Temple of Doom is out there. Come on, man. Yeah. That yeah. movie's out of its goddamn gourd. Yeah. Like, and like you you can't go ahead and tell me that like something like sacred and I don't, what's the word like reverent about Indiana Sick Jones or whatever. yeah right, right. had been disturbed by Kingdom of the Crystal Skull like the movies have always been you know silly yeah yeah I mean, very silly like Spielberg and Lucas's goal with Raiders of the Lost Ark was like what if we made a movie that was only the good parts you know that was their thing they were like what if you cut out all the like thematic you know subtext. And all the sort of like plot development, and you just made a movie that was only the exciting scenes. Like every scene was what would be the coolest scene in another movie. Uh, and so it's like they're they're meant as like theme park rides, and uh, you know, like deeper meaning. You know, sank in there, it snuck in the little corners and the wedges. But you can't talk about this even like you can't really compare Indiana Jones even to Star Wars, where Star Wars is like a much more ambitious mythology. Yes. Whereas Indiana Jones is like adventures. Like each movie is just like here's another. Adventure. There's very little serialization. Yeah. The character doesn't really change but that, that much. But that becomes the subtext. Exactly. I, mean, I have I've argued that the uh, the way that Indiana Jones grapples with that uh, structure of his life and it's how isolating it is right. and so on is, is right. part of who he is. The, the key to the Indiana Jones franchise is there, there are similar things repeating, and it's about the minor differences within that sort of repeating pattern, you know? And the sort of generational cycle that crops up, which, uh, again, yeah. is why Mutt Williams is so crucial to this movie. But I do, I, you know, I think that it, it really moves from start to finish. It does not slow down very much, as Griffin no. was saying. Uh, but, I mean, the, just the shot choices, the way that everything is cut together in that opening sequence, the introduction of one of the... A villain that I have nothing but a deep and abiding love for in my heart. And, yeah, I was going to say not just because she's played by Kate Blanchett, which is you do accurate. Like, you do S- like... Did you uh, say your favorite living actress? No, I don't know about that. But she's certainly one of the one of the better ones. Uh, and she is... Uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a... It's great to be Spielberg and cast incredible actors at the, t- the height of their powers in hokey, fun roles like mm-hmm. this and watch them uh, have a field day with them. Yeah. And Irina Spalko... Uh, a woman ahead she of her time. The, she won the Order of Lenin three times. Three fucking times. Yeah, and Kate only has one Oscar at this point. <laughs> Two. Oh, oh, at this, at this point. point. At this yes. point. And, and, um, excuse me. Hey, sorry, 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 sorry. And she's, when you take the Blanchett out of the equation, is a pretty generic bad guy who's mm-hmm. just... Certainly, but I mean... But that's a part of I the appeal. I think that's by design. very nice time with it. It's a nice little It's all about sandwich. the affectation. I mean, like, that's what a lot of these movies are. It's, a, it's the part of the joy is relishing in these tried and true narrative formulas. Like a black forest ham, you know? Sure, yes. <laughs> hey, guys, could I say what didn't work for me? Uh-huh. Uh, just, you know, I'm the voice of the people, so I just, you know, sure. got to just the same people that, that he doesn't get that yeah. nickname. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Well, I'm like saying the people like dummies like me. So anyway, uh, I like bits. You know this about me. You guys. do like bits a lot. Yes. And I would say like comparatively, you think of the original trilogy. There's the classic guy waving around the sword and then Indy shoots him. Right. Sure. That's a good example of that sort of like sense of humor of those movies. And I feel like this one has a lot of that same stuff, but it's just hokey and old man-ish and just like, it's not as good. Um, and I don't have an exact example. I feel like 
there's like a moment even with like the quicksand, you know, and it's like kind of this like I love that moment. That's a great I, scene. I don't know, it doesn't work for me. It's just uh, like it doesn't feel the same. It feels sort of like well, uh seeing a comedian that you used to really love and seeing them again and they're just sort of like uh I don't know, like bland. Well, I think there's I would I would imagine that's probably how a lot of our listeners yeah. Think, yeah. I would guess. I think uh You're welcome. You watch uh I rewatching Raiders last night. That is um, one of the most impressive um, uh, set-up punchline movies ever. Totally. Like, the whole key to that movie is we're going to set up this either visually, either mm. emotionally, either textually, so that when it comes back, you know what is supposed to happen and the subversion is interesting. Right. You know, it, there's the tension. Okay, if the guy swings the sword around fast, you think it's going to be a fight. No, he's going to shoot him. Or at the beginning on the chalkboard, he explains how the, uh, the staff of Ra works so you understand what needs to happen in the temple room. All that sort of shit. This movie doesn't really do that. This movie just has shit happen yeah. for like two hours. And it's a little more akin to a video game where it's just like, here's a new level. Let's enter a new environment. What's the coolest stuff that could happen in this environment? I guess so. What are the pieces I, on the board? I, I don't know, I, man. Again, like, what's the, what are the levels? I, I just think that uh, you're less to detract from the older pre- Indiana Jones movies and more to, more to celebrate this one. I think that the relationship between he and Mutt, as annoying as Mutt can be, and as off-putting as Shia LaBeouf can be in the role. Yeah. Um, and, like, every time they cut to him, they have to first cut to his hand so he can flip his fucking knife. Yeah, and it he drives really me, hard It that. drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> but, uh... He that, really hard. That, you know, that, that positioning Indiana Jones in the same position that his father was in the previous film and, mm-hmm. and turning this into a sort of a cyclical thing and allowing him to reconcile his competing impulses of, of being in... Uh, the field versus being at home, being alone versus being weighed down by actually giving a shit about other human beings and having to deal with the burden of them caring about him. I think that every scene, uh, at least every scene that works, which is most of them, speak to that on some level. And the scenes that don't, what few they are, especially in the uh, midsection. Yeah, like the sort of late midsection. Yeah, Yeah. like those the ones that get away from it a little bit. Um, uh, there's the school stuff, right? Where he's like, yeah, you don't have to go to school. school Oh, "Oh, you gotta go to school. Come on. And all that fun little choreography, like Mutt taking the beer and Indiana, like, you know, putting the beer back on the uh, waiter tray. And, like, all silently, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, you know, just everything seems rhythmic and, like, locked into, like, very, very specific uh, humor beats. Not I think that entire motorcycle chase is, is the best set piece of the movie. And I think, like, even just why the, do they dress him like fucking Brando? Like, just don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. We're not going to go through the plot in this episode. Don't right? dress we him just up keep like on Brando. tackling different elements. Okay, so I go- get that it's the fifties, and you're you're doing all these fifties hallmarks. But like, just don't pick Brando. Can we like, focus on Mutt for a little bit? You can't do Brando. His name is Mutt. That's the name he chose for himself. That's the name he chose for himself. He doesn't really know what he is. I'm annoyed and that he Jones gets offended. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. That's a good point. That's the thing. He gets offended when Indiana Jones like raises an eyebrow at Mutt, and he's like, "I picked that name for myself." So don't get offended. Yeah. You can get offended if Mutt means you know happiness in Hawaiian. Like you can't get offended if you decided to call yourself Mutt after a dog. Can I explain Sorry. my problem I don't know with why Mutt I'm Williams? I'm so mad about that. Can I can I explain my problem with Mutt Williams? I have a lot of problems with that guy. Yeah. Um. Look, knowing what we know now, don't steal a beer off. <laughs> Wait, go ahead. Yeah. Also, do, doesn't he use like someone else's like Coca Cola to like clean off his fucking uh, comb in that scene? Yeah. At the beginning of the scene, I feel like he reaches over the table, takes the comb out. I he don't. Does know. no? Yes. You're right. Okay. Okay. Uh, he's disinfecting it with Coca Cola. Strange. Yep. Um, it was the fifties. We thought a lot of things were weird. That's I true. Mean, we're we're gonna we're gonna save us. Yeah, stop imposing your values. That's true. That's I'm a good point. Yeah. 
uh, make America mud again. Um, my problem with Mutt Williams is I I feel like uh, he is kind of neither here nor there in what he needs to be. Yeah. Which is, and I blame this on Shia, but I think he was in an impossible situation. I don't it's blame it on a, Shia. It's not a well-written role It's at not all. a well-written role. There's, and you also Shia s- could not have... Not have really done much better than he does here. I, I basically agree. I agree. I, I, yeah, it's a yeah. shit sandwich. I don't blame it on Shia. I blame it on. Um, I don't think they really committed to what they were doing, and it feels no. like there was an indecisiveness about what he needs to be, which is either one of two things. Yeah, are you passing him the torch or not? Is question A to me. No, what it's, do you? Disagree? It's an even more basic level for me. Okay, I think they're stuck between: is he actually a greaser or is he a kid pretending to be a greaser? Mm, oh, that's a good call. Yeah. And I think Shia's performance is completely between the two poles, right. which I don't put on him. I think it was indecisiveness on. In but the what they should have done is looked at Shia LaBeouf and said, He's "This is a kid pretending to be a greaser. Yeah. No one's going to buy him as a greaser." 100%. So I, I think that part of what uh, what has made me so uh, love this movie is that I gave it the benefit of the doubt of just assuming that he was a kid pretending to be a greaser because I often look at Shia and think that he reads phony. Yeah, and, right. You know, right. so I I thought that was part of the appeal for him, divorcing that from the fact that Spielberg just had a hard on for his entire career, you know, which is weird. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> instead you get this guy who's taking the torch and he's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I quit school. Sometimes I read." Like Indiana Jones <laughs> is supposed to be this brilliant motherfucker who's a badass, well, not like some is, bratty kid. The movie is not actually saying like this is the next Indiana Jones. No, they make yeah. m- they, pass over the hat. Well, at the end yeah, of the yeah even right. at the end, it's still sort of conflicted. You know, endorsement right. does not equal. Uh, or no, the picture does, does not, not equal, equal endorsement. endorsement. Right. This is a, another lesson that Americans were soon going to have to grapple with. Oh God, I wish they'd grapple with that one quickly. Yeah. My, my problem, <laughs> I, I mean, guess, look, is... Look, I'm just saying, La La Land <laughs> is a racist work of art about racism. It's yes. about, about erasing the, the you know people who are not white you know what from I figured all out? culture. You know what I figured out earlier this week? And this is super on topic. Shakespeare in Love is the La La Land of 1998. Oh, man. Well, I love Shakespeare in Love. I and, think uh, by the time I this comes out, like I just did an episode on the canon mm-hmm. with Amy Nicholson where mm-hmm. that somehow became our central thesis. And uh, this seemed like as good a place as any to plug that. That's a good call. Yeah. That is a pretty similar movie, actually, now that I'm like running the two side by side in my head. A little bit because it's about two people, two artists yeah. who figure out how to be creative and then realize they can't be together I, if they I, do it. I brought it up to instruct you guys of this truth, not to relitigate it on right. another okay. podcast. Okay, fair enough. Jesus <laughs> Christ <laughs> almighty. They're singing in Shakespeare in Love? Yeah. Gentlemen upstage. <laughs> downstage. Yeah. Ben Affleck's best performance. There's Come also on. that thing in Shakespeare in Love where he keeps on explaining to people that they don't like jazz the right way. Uh, <laughs> it is true. Yeah. Chicken on a stick. It's British. <laughs> Thy chicken is on a stick. Two chickens on one stick <laughs> where Boy. we set our scene. Um, I agree with you that it reads to me or, I mean, A, watching as an audience member because Shia is not successfully pulling off Brando, it reads as he wants to be a greaser and he's not. Right. Yeah, and and the kind of lines that Ben is highlighting, like I yeah. read sometimes, are like power. What's the and so he's there's just a power constantly <laughs> performing his own greaserness. Right. I mean, in like it's, in a way that exceeds what one would do. I if think they were the actually performance needs to be even more excessive, though. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I I think he needs to make it more of a comedic performance, not like play it over the top, 
No, because it, yeah, because then of course he's in the mix and he's doing he's sword fighting on top of a jeep. Especially and when you find out like okay, so he was raised by like a British professor. Like clearly this is an intellectual kid who's like stepping away from this. Right. As a so he's being against, a jerk. Right. Right. And he wants to seem like he's tougher. And, like, and then he runs into kid. his real dad, who's like, "Hey, I am an academic and also a world traveling action hero." Right. Like, he realizes you know, so like you're just a piece of shit to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Get you an archaeologist who can do both. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's called yeah. pluralism, you know? You can yeah. be an archaeologist and be killing Nazis. You don't have to choose. I think playing, 2016. I think playing the character too straight robs him of having more comedic tension, which is the main thing that made people like Indiana Jones in the first place, mm. is that Indiana Jones is funny. Like, Is he? I think he is. I think he's pretty funny. I mean, he's funny in this movie in a similar way to he's what funny. Ford Sorry. honed in Force Awakens, where he's sort of like, all right, you kids are having it's, your fun. I get it. It's you know, dad what I mean? humor in the original. It's grandpa humor now. You know, I think it's sure. like very. Well, I think the key except is except that... in Last Crusade, he and his dad fucked the same lady. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. the key for me is that. <laughs> wow, me... I really like the wave <laughs> of groans. Yeah, it's not into that. <laughs> That's a plot point in that movie. I know. Um, I think Indiana Jones is circumstantially funny. Like oh, I don't I think you're Indiana circumcised. Mm. I think Indiana Jones is, is circumcised? circumcised. I don't know. I don't think circumcision was that yeah. that prevalent in the uh, like when was when would he have been born? Like 1890s? Yeah. 1900s? Yeah. Hey, fans out there, weigh in on it. What do you yeah. think? I just think that after he killed all those Nazis and realized where he stood in, in history, he would. Um, just as He'd a, do it, right? An expression out of solidarity. Of solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. He would He'd cut off his own whip. foreskin. He'd do it himself, yeah, yeah just oh, in like oh. the Amazon. It's a deleted scene at the end of Temple of Doom. Yes, I swear to God, the in that movie with Kevin Bacon, the air up there, uh-huh. he is ritually circumcised in the middle of that movie. It's like a plot point. Mm. I no, I don't, think, I don't think it's him. I think it, uh, like. One of the Maasai basketball players is circumcised. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. He has to be there. They do something to he him. He has to though. watch. He does have to watch. Is that right? <laughs> I saw that movie, but. Never seen it. Probably 20 years ago. Saw the movie in theaters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the thing I was going to say is that uh, I think Indiana Jones is circumstantially funny. I don't think he is like a quippy one-liner funny. I think this movie tries to do a little too much of that. But I think the whole thing is that like. This balance, you know, the duality of who he is, always being a little out of place in either environment, and also that he is super vulnerable, like he fucks up and he comes close to failing and he's always sort of in danger in a way that a lot of other 80s action heroes are not. Uh, I think Mutt Williams needs to, the, the mask needs to drop a little more in terms of like, oh, this is just some like rich kid professor son who wants to be a greaser. I think you need to see that fall and I think you need to see him trying a little more in order for him to become funny and then by proxy become relatable. Mm. I don't think that's really Shia's fault. But did they really think, you know, with the intention of Mutt Williams kind of, sort of, uh, you know, assuming the fedora uh, in future movies, that they were going to be able to put on a marquee, on a movie poster, the adventures of Mutt Williams and people were going to give them money in exchange for the opportunity to see that? I think they did. I think they— Mutt Williams? Yes. I think they actually thought that was going to happen. I think they thought that the next movie would be like a real straight-up two-hander, you know? It'll be like Mutt and Indiana, like equal billing, and then eventually they'd like they'd segue there. So in the next one, they fuck the same woman, and then right. in the one after that, it's just mm. Mutt. But this is like not a sustainable character the way they build him, you know? Uh, no, agreed. At all. Doesn't have a huge arc, and nor should he, and nor do we care about his arc. Yeah. All right. We should get off Mutt, because we haven't done any of the plot of this movie. Are we going to do the plot, though? I mean, I feel like... Well, uh, all right. I like those are opening 20 minutes. Yeah. Which, did we give them enough credit? Because they're really good. 
uh, start with the the fifties. We talked about the nuke the, the fridge. What do you like about this, Ehrlich? Speak up. About we talked about the opening twenty minutes to begin with everything, uh, <laughs> but it feels like for some this is like the crux of your this is your thesis here. Well, my thesis really just goes back to the the split, yeah, like the duality bits and the stuff with his family and his place in the generational cycle of Joneses. But um, I do think that the filmmaking is particularly inspired and fluid in the opening twenty minutes. I think uh, there is not a shot out of place in that. I love how um, heightened it is. Uh, how cartoonish it is in its own way. I think more or less every joke lands. It's very economical in how you introduce Arena Spalco and you got Ray Winstone in there. Ray Winstone, you I have a moment. Can we talk? It's this that's mostly what I was. Missing. Well, you have I a really moment where Ray Winstone Ray. pretty much turns to the camera and admits that they're making this movie for the money, um, right. which is uh, piles of money. Yeah, well, wow, good that was, Ray that Winstone. Was good. Wow. Yeah. What do I know about cholesterol? Whoa. Jeez, I grew up in Britain. No, but So there still. used to be this ad where yeah. Ray Winstone was the pitch man for, I believe, Special K. Really? In, in Britain for a while. Now, Ray Winstone is very famous in Britain. Okay. And it was kind of funny when he was briefly famous in Can America. Can you do the rest of the episode as Ray Winstone? <laughs> I wish I could. Uh, he's like a pretty, in Britain, like, it's like Michael Caine, Ray Winstone. I feel like they're very, Jeez. you know, who are kind of like Christopher Walken's. Like, it's like. A lot of people can do a Michael okay. Caine. Can you do a conversation between Michael Caine and Ray Winston? <laughs> no, not right now. Now you guys are Can you do Caine? Not really. What's like a Michael Caine thing? I'm trying My to name is Michael Caine. My name is Michael Caine. I, I, so little... Yours is better than mine already. Like, I can do cut-rate Caine, and you can be Ray Winston. But, like, what's a thing Michael Caine said? I'm trying to... I, think, I just saw she Michael She was only Caine. 16 years old. Yeah. <laughs> You're only supposed yeah. to blow My buddy doors off. Pennyworth. <laughs> Batman, yeah. do you want that's, your batsuit? That's later Caine where he's like, you know, Bruce, like, you know, where he's, he's proud. Yeah. <laughs> you want to pause and watch the trip, and then we'll jump back yeah, into it. Yeah. Oh, right. That's the thing. We are living can't in our... do Kane because of the trip. Oh, right. right, right. Ah, that's, like, all that keeps me going right now is oh, the man. promise of the trip to Spain. Trip to Spain, baby. <sighs> but so, Winstone, I think right around... And it is weird how Winstone... Is weird. In the 80s and 90s, he's a British character mm-hmm. actor. He plays gangsters. He plays, like, thugs. He plays heavies. And then, like... Everyone, American directors start putting him in. He's like in, it's after Sexy Beast. It's Sexy Beast, which makes him cool, which right. is great in Sexy Beast. Mm-hmm. And that's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Did we agree? Yeah. I sure. like it a lot. He's in Cold Mountain. Like, right. he's suddenly playing Southerners, but he's like, oh, you know, like, he's, oh, I'm from Mississippi. It doesn't, like, he's not really trying very he's hard. He's Beowulf. He's yeah, Beowulf. But, but please remember that uh, Cold Mountain is a movie featuring Jack White. That is true. Uh, so they weren't really giving all that many. Jack White's in it, but he doesn't play actors. the albino. That's Charlie no. Hunnam. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's insane. That movie puts Jack White on screen and goes, no, not him, the other albino. <laughs> uh, he's he's in The Departed, in which he right. plays like a Boston gangster, and he's like, he uh, the muscle. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And then he was in these special cans in Britain where he's just walking. He's like, whoa, I know about cholesterol. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, you're fat. Why are you bitching special cans? <laughs> I love Ray Winstone. Uh, I feel like it, it died off, like around now. Yeah. This is sort of the end of his little American boom. Does Ray Winstone have a a, a son who is substantially more conventionally he handsome than He has a daughter. Him? Okay. No, he's is... not a Gleason. He well, can't and, just like Gleason him up there. I and want Ray a Spall. third one of those, yeah. you know? I want a third like tubby yeah. British character I want actor. like a shitty 2008 John Favreau directed like milk toast comedy starring Rafe and Timothy Spall, and also Brendan Gleeson and, <laughs> and Domhnall Gleeson, as like two sets of families who hate each other and go on a road trip. 
Like, that sounds great. Are Wouldn't you it be great? And then they meet Ray Winston, and he is sad that he doesn't have a son. His an daughter's actor. an actress, though? Yeah, Jamie Winston. And I swear to God, she briefly dated Lindsay Lohan. It was like, she, I, I believe she is like a, I don't want to tar her, though. Uh, like, you know, I don't want to be going to, you know. Oh, no, you know what? I'm making up. She dated Alfie Allen. They had they had a child together. Who's Alfie Allen? Those he's Lily Allen's brother. People. What? You know, and he's in yeah. Game of Thrones. He's a, he plays, oh, he's an actor? He plays, he's, uh, he's in various things. Reek. Yeah, I, don't, I don't watch He's He was in Atonement. He's the 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 simple he was the, uh, farmhand or whatever that they accuse atonement? of rape. Yeah. Oh, in, yeah. In atonement. Alfie Allen. I love Atonement. I just blocked him out of it. I don't know. I swear to she did date Lindsay Lohan, though. I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. Uh, anyway, Ray Winston is just great He's in this having movie. a blast. I mean, he's kind of, I guess he's kind of playing the John Reese davis right? Like, no, no, you know, no. Oh, Alfie Allen's the son from John Wick. Yeah, right. He's in you John Wick. That. Right. Yeah, yes, I, I forgot he's in John okay, Wick. Yes. So, so well cast yes. in that. Alfie Allen's just like a punchable boy, you know? That's where he, that's yeah. the space he occupies. Okay, he's so punchable. I'm sorry. Back to Mac. I just I feel like I just totally missed my window to to do the John Wick uh, like yeah I guess I'm back. <laughs> but <laughs> I wish I could do Keanu. Yeah, that, that that's such either. a good impression. Can you do Ray Winstone saying, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm thinking I'm Mac"? <laughs> <laughs> no, god damn it! I have to do it naturally. I can't do it on the spot. Uh, uh, anyway, Mac is uh, is George a Mac McHale mm-hmm. is his character's name. Okay, and you believe the history he has with. The Indiana Jones, which I think is crucial. Yeah, for, for the Nazis or whatever it is they did. I can't even remember. What's the backstory? They talk they... about Berlin. There was a Berlin job that went wrong or right. Because I guess the implication, right, is like Indiana Jones like was part of World War II. He was like a spy, I guess. He was, this like, is doing... the guy he's been doing every mission with for the last 20 years. Right, he was doing like clandestine yeah. shit. He'd worked with the KGB, but then obviously now we hate the KGB or something like that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, helped out with an alien autopsy. There's... <laughs> there's that scene with uh, the janitor from Scrubs where they're yelling at him, you know, yeah. early on, right before the nuke. Uh, I can't remember what they're and, even And they're about. talking about Area 51 is yeah, the whole implication. Right. right. Uh, I don't like Mac. I like Ray Winstone a lot. Um, I like the camaraderie at the beginning. I don't like how much focus is devoted to him in the movie. Just because at a certain point I stop caring about which side he's on. You know, does he even die? Yeah. Oh, he dies in a, in a wonderfully terrible shot. I'm trying of, to remember like, it. He's like he, he gets, gets all the jewels, right? And he's like, oh, Indy, uh, like don't worry about me. Yeah, right, right. And Indy's then, like, like got him on the whip, yeah. and he's as he, he's just like, I'll be fine. I, I watched an Australian dub of the film that explains that, but he, uh, he, oh, Indy, yeah, and he, he lets go. But now the shrimp on the Bobby for me. He's supposed to be like sucked up into the spaceship, and it looks really janky. But. Yeah, the end thing where they're all getting sucked into like a portal is in the, the space between spaces or whatever. That's lame. I'm trying to remember who it is, but it was in some review of the BFG. I heard someone throw out a theory that like Spielberg's uh, one of the best at compositing CGI elements into a live environment. And he's one of the worst at compositing live elements into a CGI environment. Interesting. That's yeah. probably fair. It, there's like a 25-75 yeah. rule with right, him. Right, right, right. And like the the first half of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, there's CGI, but it's usually like one CGI element yeah. in this. Or the right. room's extended a little bit. Yeah, sure. And he's turning in, you know, he's making a 50s town happen or whatever. He's doing, yeah. The second half of the movie, especially the jungle chase, it's like, okay, the vehicles are real and the actors are real. The environment's fake. The monkeys are fake. Yeah, the weapons are fake. Do we need the monkeys? 
No. 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 Wait, but you don't like the quicksand scene? I like the quicksand scene. Okay. But you have to vibe on a that's different way. I like the quicksand scene. Yeah. But that's think, practical. He's like in real No, no, I agree. Right. I just yeah. like that I scene. wonder what went through people who were a little bit more attached to Indiana Jones is that it's a it's it's not just taking it from the serial stories of the 40s to the sci-fi B, like, mm-hmm. you know, paperbacks to the 50s. It, it's a different vibe, and it requires you to engage with it uh, on a sort of different level, come at it and meet it, it at a different place. It's definitely a different vibe. Like, you need to appreciate how the shitty CG monkeys and mutts swing in on the vines is, uh, uh, it's more of a wink to, like, a Mystery Science Theater 3000 sort of that's a Jeez. decent argument. I mean, like, yeah. like, it's part of the crystal skull argument. Either the you movie have to ends engage with a with flying this. saucer, right. an actual this is a flying saucer movie. coming like, yeah, out of a right. temple. You know, and still, every time I see this movie, I'm like, wow, that's a flying saucer. It's a flying saucer. Can, yeah. I, can I tell you what I think activates the revulsion in people? It's like suddenly they're now the second half of the movie becomes like, here's the family, right? So, A, it's like Marion's back in the picture. Now, Mutt's his son. Now, Marion's there. The three of them are always I fighting like the like part where Marion's like, yeah, I'm guessing I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> she's not sure. She's just guessing yeah. that she's back. I'm thinking, whatever the fuck John Wick says. Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe he says, I'm, I, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. I'm back. But then you also have. And Mutt is the dog. It all the dog. comes yeah. together. Oh, that's right. He's like um, a cute little beagle. You have the three of them as the family. You know, that then... dog gives a better performance in John Wick than Shia LaBeouf gives no in Well, the dog's fucking amazing in John Wick. <laughs> the dog's Wright. really good. Uh, you have the three of them doing a lot of like family banter. And then you also have Oxley. You also have Mac. Sometimes the Russians are kind of with them. Sometimes they're not. And like suddenly they're in a lot of CGI environments where like another crazy thing is happening every five seconds. And I think it starts to feel a little Spy Kids. But it, oh wow, good good point. Well right? said. Spy Kids is the right vibe. However, unlike Spy, Spy Kids, Kids, I do too. <laughs> no, I'm more of an Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl fan myself. But unlike uh, Spy Kids, the the chase scene, uh, as bad as the CG is, and as bad as everything is above tree level, the stuff where Mutt is suspended between two cars and they are sword fighting. Uh, is masterful. See, I don't like that stuff. Well, you were mistaken. I don't like it because it feels like it has no tension to me because it's just... The the, the CGI around it is so prevalent that all, it, it feels hermetic to me. It, it's it's all, for me, in, a, in addition to sort of the kinetic glee of watching uh-huh. this fight scene, which I think is really well choreographed, um, and you have Kate Blanchett sword fighting with Shia LaBeouf, which, like... Don't don't come at me, bro, and tell me that's not a sight that on you need in your life. On top yeah. of a Jeep. You have Mutt Williams, one foot on one car, one foot on another, bridging the gap between these two worlds as they drive in opposite directions. <laughs> oh Indy, trying to figure out who he is. So it's what my my bro, Toddy Haynes, would call semiotics. Oh, hey. Uh, and, uh, to bring the Cape Blanchett business full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, David Ehrlich, the yeah. ghostwriter of film criticism, he's the only one who can dissect both worlds. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Just don't infer that I'm the film grid Hulk of film criticism, which is where I thought you were going with that. Whenever I think of semiotic, he's not writing in caps anymore. No, I no, just saw this. Caps. It's a luxury he can no longer afford. In That's Trump's, what he said. In Trump's America, yeah. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. That's what I. Have I, to say I about you know, I did that. not come here to shit on film grid Hulk. Well, I've done it on this uh, podcast before, and I'll do it again. <laughs> God damn it! But uh, <laughs> it, it all depends on what he thought about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't know what he thought about it, but I bet that he thought that it was bad and he had a lot of bullshit reasons for why it was I bet he thought that there were some, was some very uh, story-related issues. Yeah, yeah, but I did, I did think that this... Uh, film critic dick, film critic Hulk. It's an interesting film. It's an interesting Sorry. sequence because I think me. that half, <laughs> half of the sequence, uh, and sometimes these elements are competing with each other in the same shots, mm-hmm. uh, works very well, and another half is like so glaringly artificial in both yeah. look and feel that it's just... 
Uh, and then you got the fire ants that are all gooey, like gushers. Like the fire like ants. Uh, I and do I, like that. And I do like the gross, uh, you know, the what's this guy? The what? Uh, Igor Gigikini or yeah. that guy getting eaten up by the uh, ants. Yeah. yeah, that's a great They're, shot. Ah! Uh, don't like John Hurt. See, that's my yeah. That character gets Ray too goofy. Goofballs McGillicuddy for me. And also, just sort of feels like it just feels lazy. Like Ray Winstone is a fat, like you know, former spy turned double agent yeah. turned I don't know whatever you know alien sure <laughs> gold miner gold grubber. Yeah, that's great. Like they're like, oh, we need like a British academic who went crazy. Like get John Hurt. That's lazy. That's lazy as shit. He's not trying. He's just gonna like, Ooh, I don't know. He's- See, I disagree. I think he's really going for it. Oh, man, I, I I don't like that character, but I while watching it, kept on saying like, big ups to John Hurt. He could have phoned this in. I love John Hurt. I, sometimes I'm weirdly out on John Hurt. I didn't even I didn't even love him in in one of David Ehrlich's favorite Jackie? movies last year. Jackie, I think he's really good. Which in I Jackie. really loved Wait, Jackie. John Hurt was in Jackie. Yeah, he's the priest. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Jackie in, like, six months. Well, but, uh, you fucking loved it I, so much. I did love Jackie. I do think that he is, uh, on the Indiana Jones Kingdom of the Crystal Skull power rankings, mm-hmm. he is pretty low. Oh, see, he's, like, maybe my number two. That's crazy. Wow, we're all over the place. Yeah. How like, do you feel about Broadbent? That feels oh, a little that it's feels distracting. A little Why? Yeah. What? Mm, I don't what? know about Broadbent. <laughs> do you love Broadbent in this? You could put Broadbent in fucking... Like Warcraft, and I'd be like, "What a performance!" Okay. One, I'd love to see Jim Broadbent in Warcraft. <laughs> okay, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah. Bad like example. Ben Foster role. <laughs> Why are these ogres fighting? <laughs> okay, Broadbent. Okay, not, not great, Broadbent. but I'm working on uh, it. Yeah. Iris, yeah. Iris. <laughs> but he, that was a really good impression of someone else. I just can't put my finger I'm on who close. It was. I'm between Broadbent and someone else. I'm closer to the other person. We don't know who. But it is. Broadbent is an international treasure. When Jim Broadbent love dies, Jim I will Broadbent. be bereft. And uh, he is—he uh, is wonderful in this movie. And there, why not be Jim Broadbent? Why would you cast any other random Brit in that role? I'll tell you something about Jim Broadbent, though. He's seven years younger than Harrison Ford, oh, which is actually crazy. <laughs> he looks a thousand years older than him. I'm gonna repeat my favorite fact that I repeat whenever I can: Paul Giamatti and Vin Diesel, the exact same age. <laughs> I believe that. Did you know John Chu was 44? Yeah, dude you looks mean, unbelievable. You don't John, Cho. John, Cho. John, Cho. John Cho. Sorry, yeah. John Cho. I don't know You're how confusing old the John Cho. Now you see me too. Yeah. Is I was just thinking about because when I think about the uh, this is a true story that's going to sound like horseshit, but John in Chu, my 37. in my brain when I think about uh, the kind of action filmmaking in this movie, uh, one of my other reference points is the mountain fight in GI Joe uh, Ninja Mountain. Right. And that was directed by John Chu, true. and that is why I had true. John Chu on the brain. Yeah, yep. Yep. true, true. This true. Is the, the mind works in mysterious ways. Uh, yeah, John Cho's old. John Cho is uh, he's a sexy old. Uh, he's forty four. I would get in a May Aging December, like a May November. Oh, yeah. I thought me? he was about thirty five. But John Cho's been around forever. Ever. Like John Cho was old when he shot American Pie. Yeah, he was that, like thirty. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like uh, love John. If Cho, John Cho had Cho, a baby, though. Cho, though. Cho, with though. Gabrielle Union, it would be a Highlander who would live forever. That's true. <laughs> he has like a wife though, right? He's been married. Yeah, he has a wife married. and a child. He's yeah. like a nice kid. Yeah. Can I throw out my hot take on this movie? Sure. Ehrlich, I love your read. My problem with this movie is I feel like I get the glimpse of, of your read and I feel like it doesn't go far enough into it. And I'll tell you where it falls apart for me. I don't like that in the second half of the movie where they get to the temple and they come face-to-face with the quote-unquote gods, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Like real face-to-face, like the, yes. al- the face in the camera Like lens. really close, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that it is buried in the aesthetics of the same kind of like uh, ancient tribal. Yeah, that's that's also my problem. jungle. You know, like semiotics of the previous films. Yeah, it's like it's but not sci-fi enough for that's me. Like, I want go more sci-fi. But he more likes the sci-fi. duality. He likes the. Well, you no, like I wasn't even gonna bust out the D word. I was just gonna say that like it's of a whole with the goofy paperback quality that you see in the, the Saturday morning. I can see the argument. See I like the movie enough that I'm I'm fine with it. But I know what you're saying. What like, I it still like, feels yes. like a 30s Indiana Jones movie in most ways. Like aliens, uh, aliens have a home in the Indiana Jones movie. I got no beef with aliens. World. What what I would love is if the first half of the movie was steeped in sort of the jungle ruin shit, right? And then when they find the race, then you get to more of the Area 51. I want to see them in a fucking flying saucer. I don't want the flying saucer to look like like temple ruins, you know? Mm. Like, I kind of like a movie that is about Indiana Jones being out of place, mm. you know? That's about him straddling two worlds, like the two Jeeps in the jungle. And I want to see a movie where it's actually more jarring in the way that the Nuke the Fridge sequence is, where it's like, this guy doesn't fit into this well, Why anymore. don't you just go home and edit... Mutt Williams and Indiana Jones relationship into War of the Worlds. That's what I'm gonna do. And there you hey, got your aliens. or Jupiter Ascending. That's what I'd want. I want Indiana <laughs> That's Jones what you and Jupiter. Want. Nobody wants Jupiter. No, not Ascending. Jupiter Ascending. But I want it to be like a, a fucking like you like a, a Menzies a, movie. Uh, you know, I want like I know. metallic, sterile. A, a Menzies movie. William Cameron Menzies, who did like a, a Saucer huh? Man from Mars or whatever. That That's yeah. Uh, I should. I will Invaders have to go home Mars, and yeah. uh, study up on I him. I just. <laughs> Like, I don't want it. This my fear with any of that is where you're getting into Jurassic World syndrome, where it's like the whole fucking movie's about how you made a sequel. Like, and you know, I need you to throttle back a little bit. Like, I do still want an Indiana Jones movie, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want every goddamn thing to be about how, oh my God, can you believe we made a sequel to Indiana Jones no, 19 I, years later? I don't want like, that. You know, I want a yeah. movie that becomes that. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying because I already said I kind of agree with you, but. Right. I also kind of get why they didn't do it, I guess is my, my yeah, best. Yeah, I just get a charge out of him nuking the fridge. I get a charge out of him at Area 51 dealing with, like, this, you know, uh, uh, horn rim glasses. Yeah, like, I like that stuff. Suit I mean, guys. Like, I like seeing him mashed up with different uh, aesthetics. Because he's older and because that has to be recognized and because the movie's about the fact that he never fucking settled down and it's like, what are you trying to prove, you know? Like, it- that kind of thing. I like him sticking out more. Um, and I, yeah, I just like, I, I want them to, the alien stuff feels like they're a little bit embarrassed by it. Like they're hedging their bets a little bit, which is weird because they're also going so far at the same time, you know, like they're owning the alien alien. and being really fucking silly and pulpy. It, It makes, it lights her eyes on fire. Right. But then they're also trying to make it look like, like. Raiders. You've made your point. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's I mean, my point. I don't know. Isn't it, Spielberg had produced that miniseries Taken a few mm-hmm. years earlier, not that much earlier, which is like steeped in that. He loves that fifties, yeah, paranoia, Area Fifty One, like aesthetic, like you know, d- dialed up to ten. Yeah. I mean, do you, do I wonder if, if there had been like no. I wonder if there had been. Well, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Heather Donahue from the Blair Witch Project was in it, and oh, it was weird. Cool. I wonder if there had been like one more set piece, and I know the movie's sort of getting long in the tooth by this point, anyway. But maybe mm-hmm. you can take one out from earlier. But uh, after the introduction of the aliens, where the aliens are more involved, I, would love I, I, I agree with that too. Because yeah, the aliens like, kind of come pretty quick. I mean, yeah. that which is classic Indiana Jones, where it's like we finally did it, and then something absolutely mind-boggling happens. Yeah. Like, because there's nothing mind-boggling, and then something mind-boggling. The alien's just like, sure. I'm out. Like, peace. Right. I'm out of the galaxy. I've given, I've killed Cape Blanchett. I've done too much harm. <laughs> I gotta go. 
and I think like had there been a chase sequence or something with the aliens, I don't know. I think maybe Griffin would have been a little bit more on board. Make uh, them maybe more spend on. more time in the trophy room with all of this like ancient uh, artifacts that yeah, are ben really fascinating and interesting. Ben, ben like, likes ancient aliens. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I do think there is all the Indiana Jones movies are about this guy chasing something he doesn't believe in, right? Like that's kind of the the major through line is that like the previous three movies are all religious artifacts yep. that he believes do not hold any actual power. And at the end of the movie, there's like you know the last 10, 15 minutes suddenly crazy supernatural shit starts happening and he has to come to terms with it in the way that the aliens function at the end of this movie. But they're always about him not believing in anything more than the object, uh, not the power invested in it beyond that. And um, this, I feel like, because it's not... They try to tie in the thing where it's like, well, they thought they were gods, they were the aliens, but it seems like very quickly he's like, oh, these gods must have been aliens. And he just kind of accepts it, and then the movie's just trucking towards it's the end It's when he point. sees the crystal skull. Right. Yeah, and but he's like, like, you couldn't make this thing. You look at the other thing, and it's like, even at the end, he's like, that's just a gold box. How fucking badass would it be in your apartment to have that crystal skull? That crystal skull. It's a pretty good-looking skull. Yeah. It's a nice skull. What do you think of skull? Yeah, that's we just talked with... about the War of the Worlds, Worlds aliens, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't... Uh... You know, the skull is close enough to being a... Uh, uh, I was going to say xenophobe, but that's not right. Xenomorph. Xenomorph, yes. It has that long, elongated uh, that it, style. This could have just Penis been skull. a soft uh, prequel. Could have been Prometheus. Uh, this could have just easily segued into Prometheus. Look, man, I once read a comic book where Superman fought a xenomorph. Like, really? like Indiana Jones yeah. fight a xenomorph. Uh, I like the look of the skeleton. I don't like the look as much when they get flesh. It's not that interesting. It's just kind of. I mean, it's just another example of bad CG, but right. it's mercifully brief. It is mercifully, mercifully brief. brief. I was just confused because there's no vodka in it. That's true. Hey, you know what? If if fucking Ackward was selling vodka out of that skull, I'd buy it. Like the skull he's got is it. so basic looking. It is a little basic. It's a regular skull. Yeah, who cares? It's just vodka in a skull. Give me a goddamn crystal alien skull. I think the crystal skull in this looks really cool. I think, I think that, it looks no, great. No, I agree with you. I think the crystal skull in this looks cool. I think Ackroyd's crystal skull in real life looks lame. That's my take. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Dan Ackroyd owns a vodka company. <laughs> and the bottle is a crystal skull. <laughs> Dan Ackroyd also believes in UFOs. Let's be clear. Yeah. Um, Dan Ackroyd, our guest on the podcast next week. Oh, man, that would be probably really unfortunate and embarrassing for everybody involved. We would watch that 80s movie where it's in New Jersey and he's the judge. No, we'd, we'd definitely watch uh, Dragnet. <laughs> right? Uh, you're right. talking about Nothing But Trouble, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. which Dan Aykroyd directed. Yeah. It's terrible. What about that movie where he dresses up in fetish clothing with uh, Rosie O'Donnell? Exit to Eden? Yeah. Yes. Uh, do you want to play the box office game? I would love to. 2008, it comes out, I believe, Memorial Day weekend, May, right? Yes, uh, May 23rd, 2008. Okay, and it opens to like $100 million. $151 million. That's the four-day or the yeah. five-day or whatever? Four-day. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. I mean, at the time of this film's release, it was in the top 20 films of all time. Yeah, it made, it made right, yeah, just to give you, it made a lot of money. Uh, $317 domestic, not great considering the opener there, but- And, and then like seven 800 something? worldwide. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Okay, number that's two. Like, it's, it's a lot, and I know we're talking about 2008, but that's like less than your average installment of the Fast and the Furious franchise now. Yeah. So it is crazy. I will. I can adjust for inflation and tell you that these days it made, uh, yeah, not that much more, honestly. Yeah, like 375 domestic. So yeah, yeah. But yeah. important to note, not that long ago, but 2008, Dark Knight's the number one movie of that year, and that becomes only like 
the fourth movie in history to make a billion dollars worldwide. Like it was before the billion dollar. Right. Whereas now grocer. it's like you got to make a yeah. billion dollars for Disney to Be even your like your shit to have yeah, a break. Like look up from the newspaper. Right. Yeah. You're losing money if you don't crack a bill. Daddy, I've made eight hundred million dollars, and he's just like, yeah. uh huh, yeah. Zootopia <laughs> shat that in right. his sleep. But this was yeah, this was the number two worldwide grocer of and the year. And that shit had very very uh, acute things to say about racism. <laughs> What's Disney got next year? Uh, oh, that's Pixar. Yeah. I mean, this year. They I got uh, they got Coco's the Pixar movie, Cars oh, yeah. three. They got two Pixar's this okay. year. Look, Gigantic. There's they're doing a Jack and the Beanstalk movie. What, look, look. Yeah. About Coco. Look, yeah. I'm very in favor of like Latino representation on in animation. Right. 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 Why is every fucking Latino animated movie about, about the, day the Day of the, of the dead? dead? I don't know. Is this, like, am I being an asshole? I have no idea. Like, is there nothing else? To, I mean, I get that visually it's a very exciting, like, yeah. thing to play around with, and maybe that's what it is. This one's been in development for a long time. We just time. had a fucking Day of the yeah, Dead. Yeah, but it's like, you know, every uh, every Japanese-themed movie, animated or otherwise, that's made with Western money is about samurai, samurai culture swords. and so on. This is true. Um, this is the way of the world. But yep. uh, I will say, as unfortunate as that may be, that Guillermo del Toro produced Channing Tatum, famous, right, the famous book of Latino, life. Yeah, right. uh, The Book of Life, uh, was surprisingly good yeah, for what it was. Yeah, not a bad little movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. uh, do you know that Disney tried to uh, file a copyright for Day of the Dead? They wanted to legally own Day of the Dead as a holiday in preparation for Coco? <laughs> I did not. That's an unfortunate. Yep. Uh, all right, so number two at the box office Iron this Man? week. No. Was a film that I am amused to tell you cost more to make than uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Wait, wait. Which wait. had a, Indiana Jones's listed budget is 185 million. This movie okay. cost 225 million dollars. I swear to God, no one ever saw it. Apparently, it made lots of money. I wait, don't think can so. I, can I guess yeah, what it was? Please. I am. I'm not even. It was number one the previous. I'm week. not going to think that hard and assume that uh, I, I don't even know what year it came out. But oh, wait, it just oh, feels no, no, no. But like I don't know what year sure, this sure. film this came, out. came out. But uh, it just feels right in my bones. Okay. Wolfgang Peterson's The Poseidon. <laughs> I think that did come out in 08, but it I is think not that's that. earlier. I think that's maybe 07 or 06. Um, but that's a really good guess. It that's, is 06. That movie. That that movie exists. Yeah. Well, it may not. I mean, right? It's one of those movies. You're like, mm, did it exist actually? Like, did that happen? Josh John, Lucas. Johnny Drama. Yeah, Johnny Drama's, Drama's in that movie. Uh, is the film you're talking about live action or animated? Uh, it's live action, although it has animated elements. Okay. Oh. So I'm just running through this in my head. First week of May, Iron Man kicks off the summer. Mm-hmm. The next week, Speed Racer is supposed to be the big one. Speed Racer is in the top five. Right, and is toppled by uh, What Happens in Vegas. Which is number four. Okay. Solid movie. So four hey. and five are Speed Racer. Uh, one is in Vegas and Speed Racer. Number right. three is Iron Man. Okay, so number two is the one we're trying to figure out. And it had come out, it came out the same, like, uh, you know, it came out a week before this. Sure. So the week after Speed Racer. Okay, is it based on pre-existing material? Yes. And is it the first film in it? No. It is a sequel that costs... It's crazy, crazy that we forgot million. about these. Is it the last one in the franchise? No, it's the second in a three-part franchise that they keep claiming they're going to make another one. The Smurfs? No. $225 million this That's a lot thing of cost money. What was the final box office gross? Tell you in one second. It grossed domestically $141 million worldwide, 419 Not bad. <laughs> Not- I mean, for that budget, Wait, yeah, what, maybe was one- that? what was the domestic gross? 141 Wow, on a $225 million budget? <laughs> yeah, not great. That's uh, not exceptional. It, it, it did okay worldwide. But they claim they're going to make another one. Wait, was it? Was it? No. I don't know. No, it wasn't. Well, I, you know, I think I'm thinking of like Tim Story's heyday in like 2004. It's not Fantastic Four. Yeah. Fantastic Four. Yeah. 
based on pre-existing material. It's, there's a reason you guys don't really remember this movie. Yeah. Uh, it, it has one of the stars of Westworld in it. It's an unhelpful clue. Because uh, it's not one of the stars of Westworld that you're thinking of. <laughs> movie with no stars, $225 million. And it's the third one. It's not second one, second one. Second one, but there are three. There are three, and they, they apparently they're going to make another one. It's based off a cartoon show? No. It was directed by an animator. Which Jeez is a pretty Louis. good clue. Yeah. That's a pretty decent clue. It's directed by See, an... this is why the box office game is... Oh, Ice Age. Not Ice Age. Oh. It's not an animated oh, film. That's right. But it has a lot of CGI. It's based off something that isn't a cartoon, not a comic book? No. Book series? Yes. It's based off a book series. Came out in May, too. Yeah. Blech. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> what is oh. it? Oh. Of course. It is the Chronicles of Narnia, Prince oh. Caspian. That's right. Oh. With Ben Barnes of Westworld. They oh, have yeah. greenlit a that fourth was, one. That was not yes. a helpful clue. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. I liked it. That's oh. why I liked it. That was the Allegiant of its day. Yes. Uh, it really was. Because the first one was humongous. The first one was like inexplicably, not maybe not inexplicably, well, it was a huge thing. The first one had Tilda Swinton as a yeah. ice queen. And she's got a cameo in the second one. She's in a little mirror or something. Yeah. You know, and like it, it was coasting off Lord of the Rings, you know. And so then they were like, here's another one. And it was just one of those things where audiences were like, nah. Yeah. <laughs> like, we were fine with just the one. But like. I remember everyone being like, that's probably the number one movie this summer, right? right like, everyone right. was like, it's an arms race between Caspian and Indiana Jones. Right. And, and then like, Iron, Iron Man, Man and Dark Knight were afterthoughts. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> well, because people didn't take superhero shit seriously. That was the year yeah. where everyone was like, I think we've hit peak superhero. They're right. done now, right? <laughs> right? And then, like, the two uh, movies that define Trump's the next not going to win the primary. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everyone was like, we've hit the end of that cycle. Spider-Man 3 a year before, we're <sighs> done with this. And then Iron Man and Dark Knight became the two movies that everyone copied. It's so crazy. For the next decade. Prince Caspian, and yet they made The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. But Fox made it. Disney dumped yes, it. Yes, right. Fox picked it up, slashed the budget. And who directed it? Not Ed Michael Apted. Michael Apted, who made a lot of the good The Coal Miner's Daughter. He made Coal Miner's Daughter, which I recently watched off of TCM, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones is so good in it. And I'll bring it full circle. As is, of course, Sissy Space. The director who was originally supposed to do uh, uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader and then left was Neil Berger, director of Divergent. And the, and the illusionist. He was the looking to make a children's. Uh... The illusionist is about how an orange can grow out of a little. The illusionist is a movie about how I thought every time I saw it on cable, it was the Sylvain Chomet movie. Uh, and every time I'm deeply disappointed. <laughs> like, Paul Giamatti, get me out of here. Because it was like one time, it was actually the fucking Chomet movie. And every time I see it on the, when I'm scrolling through, I'm like, could be. Never is. Jessica Beale, baby. She's in that one, right? Uh, yes. Watch it on a plane. In the Chomet one. Uh, rest of the top five. <laughs> she is Sylvain Chomet. Right. Okay. So top top five is Indiana Jones, Prince Caspian, then Iron Man, then Correct. What Happens in Vegas, then Speed Racer. That's right. And then six through ten, just out of curiosity. Uh, yeah. Let me. Sorry, uh, I dismissed it. What I learned from that movie is that what happens in Vegas doesn't, in fact, stay in Vegas. Oh, there are some. There it are follows some, them back home in a major way. There's yeah. some shit nuggets. <laughs> That's why I want to hear. I'm not trying to guess. Remember, I want to hear the. Remember Maid of Honor about that great yes. craze of male maids no, of honor. I, wait, what was is uh, Patrick Dempsey, Dempsey. No. Michelle Moynihan? No, I don't know who else is in it. <laughs> you guys, I I own the Blu-ray of Maid of Honor. It sits on top of my. You executive produced Maid of Honor. Oh my God! Number seven, you got Baby Mama. Oh yeah, Tina Fey. That, that Maid of Honor is a better film than Baby Mama. I agree. See, Baby you two Mama hate is Baby Mama so much. Movie. I think that movie is entertaining. Oh boy! And now Dax Shepard's directing Chips or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay, and this is another one of my hot takes. I think the best of the three. I think it's the worst. 
solid movie. I don't like that movie. Thank you, Arlen. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, a movie we can all agree on, surely. <sighs> he likes that movie. I love that movie. Uh, I don't love that movie. Yeah. What? I'm mixed on that movie. What? <laughs> I know I know you love that movie. I'm breathing heavily. Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall is a masterpiece. I think Neighbors is, is Stoller's masterpiece. Uh, I mean, those two films alone put him in the upper, most upper, most upper echelon of artists of our time. <laughs> um, but uh, I think forgetting <laughs> Sarah Marshall has it. The vampire. I mean, the Dracula musical. Scene. There is not. Yeah, I love that. Oh my god. There, there is not a single moment of forgetting. Sarah Marshall. Get not up a to the frame. Greek is better. What? <laughs> it's so superior. I just take. want brand, and I want a lot of it. <sighs> get it. Get up to the Greek has its moments. There's but a couple moments. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I think, uh, is I think it's like the apartment movie. of our. The, it's the some <laughs> like it hot of our day. <laughs> All right. Okay. Maybe there is a spectrum where I'm in the middle now. No. A masterpiece. <laughs> I think Ehrlich's like running. There are there are, <laughs> there are seasons every year where it will. Uh, uh, it will come on uh, Cinemax or whatever for like a few weeks at a time. And that, my friends, is when I live. Can I quote your recent Forgetting Sarah Marshall tweet? There's one I you don't posted even know this what it week. was. Uh-huh. It was uh, uh, Jason Siegel was only 28 when he wrote Forgetting Sarah Marshall is the new uh, <laughs> Orson Welles was only 28 when he directed <laughs> Citizen King. 25. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Uh, but I think that making Forgetting Sarah Marshall at 28 is a more impressive feat than directing <laughs> Citizen <laughs> Kane at 25. <laughs> uh, it, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Am I forgetting a scene in Citizen Kane where Orson Welles sang a musical about Dracula? Or. Yeah. Or, um, no. Maybe Orson just... Welles also didn't have the courage to show his wang on film. That's true. I'm sure he would have loved to show <laughs> his wang. <laughs> in deep focus. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there's also The Visitor, rounding out the top ten from Tom McCarthy, oh. uh, starring Richard Jenkins. Wow. Back in the time, I mean, that's to show you how far we've fallen, really, not come. Not that I have anything particularly good to say about The Visitor, but there was a time mm. when that mo- kind of movie could have cracked the top ten in the middle of the summer movie season. I know, it's funny. That is actually true. It's been hanging around for seven weeks, and it's like it's like hanging out in the top ten. Yeah, that movie did well. Uh, it's not a terrible movie. I don't like it. It's, it's kind of... If that came out today, the hot takes of, oh, about Richard oh, Jenkins boy. playing his bongo drums in the middle of there's wherever. No, yeah. Look, Jenkins look. is great in it. Ta- Jenkins is great. When's He's Jenkins great bad? Actor. When's Never. Jenkins bad? Never. He should have won his Oscar for Step Brothers. We all agree on that. That same year, we're all on the same page. Right yeah. Best supporting actor 2008 should have been Richard Jenkins. That's that's something that I, I struggle with uh, existentially, spiritually. They could make like Martin Scorsese's silence about me <laughs> trying to figure out whether or not Step Brothers is a better film than Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> same year, right? Yeah. Same uh, year. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, yeah. Step Brothers for me, no um, question. I think for me too, but it's kind of like, do I want to like look at like a Monet, right, or do right. I want to look at because like one has heart, a Picasso, and right, one is yeah. just one has the, the pan, yeah. a, a pan, like a woman's <laughs> name. I'll say this: I get <laughs> at least your dick like Kobayashi. <laughs> I know the point is that that I'm falling for it. But I, I get kind of worked up at the end of Step Brothers when they they perform. You oh, and no. Mary as Marion Cotillard, Cotillard yeah. says, she cries every time. Do you, do you right. also <laughs> think that a jet fuel can't melt steel steel beams? <laughs> yeah, are you like Cotillard in other ways? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cuckoo Cotillard and I are are two uh, birds of a fellow. Some some of the fucking movies in this, like you know, birds Horton of a hears like a. Yeah. Horton Hears a Who, uh, the, the, Nims which, Island. Horton Hears a Who was one of the top ten highest grossing films of that year. <laughs> Drillbit Taylor, remember wow. that? The Owen Wilson comeback that didn't happen. Okay, so here's I my my last thought. This ties into the thing I want to make sure I don't forget to say. U two three D. Uh, this this season we're talking about right May two thousand eight. 
this is like a couple months after I've dropped out of college and I'm living in New York and mm. being like, I'm going to be a movie star. Like yelling at everyone around me like, I'm not an idiot. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to be an actor. God, people must have thought you were a fucking idiot. A fucking idiot, yeah. right? It, like a lot God. of, yeah. If I'd met you then, this yeah. podcast probably wouldn't have happened. Um, there was a kid in Drillbit Taylor who had a very similar haircut to me at the time uh-huh. and very similar glasses. And everyone thought I was in Drill Bit Taylor. So they thought you it was already like, wow, Griffin, amazing. He somehow shot that after dropping out of college? I swear to you. I swear to you people are that dumb. I got so many messages that were genuinely like, is that you I just saw in the new Owen Wilson movie? Who the That's fuck seen Drill Bit Taylor? No one, but they'd see the TV they, ads. Right, okay. I they, just wanted to be clear. If they saw the full movie, they would have known it wasn't me. But they'd oh, see I the see, TV see, ads and one of the three kids looked like sure, me. Sure, sure. And for like... Four years, that was the fucking meme. Like, the joke around my friends was like, oh, you and the Drill Bit Taylor guys, he's still getting your parts? Yeah. Like, after they found out it wasn't him. Now, it's like how Katie Rich looks like the little girl from Moneyball. It is It is a lot oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, now, Steals all of Katie to the other point, <laughs> when you were asking about, did anyone ever think that they were actually going to make a series about Williams films? Did anyone think that was actually ever going to uh-huh. be a thing? I remember looking in my bathroom mirror <laughs> the week before this film came out, Crystal Skull, and going like, Wait a second! They're gonna make Mont Williams films. They're gonna need villains his age. And I was like, another odd assumption. I got weird say. assumption. <laughs> I don't know if he's really gonna need villains his age. But I remember distinctly looking in the mirror and being like, "That's what you're gonna do. You're gonna be a Mont Williams villain." Uh-huh. Uh, you've you've come a long way, Griffin. A long way. You've this come a I, long way, I'm baby. telling the story you've to show where way, my baby. head was at yeah, at this point, May 2008. I looked in the bathroom mirror and I was like, okay, what kind of villain would I want to be for a Mutt Williams film? Yeah, but and so, I practice so, accents and fighting styles. Mm. Some would say that shitting on Mutt Williams during this podcast, you have in a roundabout way become a Mutt Williams. Mm, one of his villain. greatest villains. A Mutt Williams. And that is why <laughs> you have become one of our finest film critics, David. Not our <laughs> finest film critic, who is, of course, Ben Hosley. But one, I don't out. know who that is. Oh, We're gonna have to find him and kill him. Oh, that's <laughs> that's that Ben. Yeah, he's right over I mean, there. I, well, I found him. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably get the drop on him. <laughs> he's listening. I'm scrappy though. You better watch out. <laughs> uh, Mr. Ehrlich, thank you so much for being here. My Good pleasure. time, baby. Uh, follow you on Twitter. If you're listening to this podcast in April, please go back to uh, January 13th. I believe that's right. When David Ehrlich tweeted his run of kicks. When I lost Skull my tweets. mind in real time. Uh, well, I should have been reviewing the Jamie Foxx movie Sleepless. Which I'm sure by them. April has, has <laughs> entered the canon. Right? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, good time had by all. Indiana Jones. Next I'm, week- I'm about to actually, as we speak, go uh, to Broadway and see Kate Blanchett in a, in a play. Oh, you, hey, oh really? Yeah. Seeing her in the finger of Hubby wrote. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Three hours yeah. of Chekhov. And with, uh, with Roxburgh. Yeah. I remember when I was watching Hacksaw Ridge and I was like, are you going to get Richard Roxburgh too? Like, because it was like every Australian actor and then yeah. he's like, hello. <laughs> uh, yeah. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. The Ocean's 8 shoot is so long yeah. that Kate Blanchett shot a month, then went into a month of rehearsals for that play, has a two-month run, and then goes back and shoots another month on Ocean's 8. And no matter fuck? how long that movie is going to shoot for and how much time of those actors it's going to take, it's still going to be directed by Gary Ross and a piece of shit. <laughs> Amen. All Do I'll you. say is, I'm in that movie. <laughs> He's in that movie, baby. I will, I will 100% be cut out of it. <laughs> Probably. 100%. Uh, that is the I best possible outcome for my opinion about Ocean's right? 8. But I, uh, I, I hope that in between than, takes, yeah. you turned to the camera and said, where's Soderbergh? <laughs> All I'm going to say I is- I was promised Soderbergh, <laughs> yeah. or at least Gregory Jacobs. Yeah. 
If you're if you're a betting man or woman listening to this podcast right now, you're not in Ocean's Eight. Just put down some money right now on me <laughs> not making the, the final way. cut of Ocean's Eight. What's the next? Do you Tintin? play Rihanna? Do you play Aquafina? I, I no spoilers. <laughs> He'll tell you right when we turn off the. But mics. I play a real dupe. <laughs> uh, next is next Tintin. The next uh, film, I believe, is uh, Tintin. Right, Tintin Warhorse. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So see, uh, next week see next week with the Adventures of Tintin: colon, The Secret of the Unicorn. Yeah. Shouldn't have given it that colon. Should just call it Tintin. Uh, thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. As always, go to our Reddit, Reddit yeah, slash r slash blankies. Say some stuff. Make it nice. Yeah, we good. We good. Uh, as always. And and as always, I'm, I'm gonna give it my best shot. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I'm thinking I'm Mac. <laughs> okay. David? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, both of you ready? Sorry. <laughs> it's, okay. it's your name too, David. I'm including you in this now, David. Uh, David's ready? Mm. Okay. And and Sims, uh-huh. I want you to say in your best Mutt Williams impression. Which is, I don't have one, but okay. I don't understand why the legend about the city of gold. Oh, I have to say, what? I have to say, God, every line he delivers. Say it, say it like you're from the 50s, David. Yeah. Real greaser. Imagine you're holding a knife in your what? hand. I don't even you remember. When is he even. saying that? Is that during that weird you'll, conversation? You'll know when I say my line. Okay, ready? Wait, what do I have to say again? I already forgot. Type it out. Ready? Okay. Open, up a, open up a doc. Yeah. Okay, type it out. I don't understand. I don't understand, period. Why the legend about the city of gold? And now, in parentheses before that line, type out, in your best Mutt Williams. I'm not typing that out. Okay, are you ready? I can't. What's a Mutt Williams? Give me a Mutt Williams. Like, I'm literally interested. I'm going to try, but I've been doing a really bad job of impressions. I know. Well, it's fine. Right. I, I don't understand. Why, why the... That's <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty that's, good. That's, pretty He's good. Such a, that's not bad, right? It's such yeah. a strange... Well, why the legend about the Sea of Gold? What about that other line he has that was like, power, power. So there's a power. What's the power? <laughs> what's the power? <laughs> Wait, what's the other line you want me to do? Because this is insane. The alt? Yeah, what's the alt? I'm just interested in what the alt is. I thought you said you were a teacher. Uh, sure. Right. That's more of a, right. That's more of a cute line. But, right. it, but, but the problem with that one is it would, it would sort of have to be, I thought you said you were a podcaster and then I would say part-time. Yeah, none, Maybe of, none of it's it. good. None, none okay, of. Okay, I like this one. You're gonna, right. you're gonna like this one when you cue me. Ready? Okay. This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 